0: Town and in every corner of the empty webs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Sunday, the 6th of March. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Futner Smith here with me as always. The daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold Brandon Goldner. What's up, B? I see you at me. I can
1: tell by the that And we want you to get close to us us online. You can find us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, that is at Trailcasters. Old-fashioned emails work, too. That's going to be trailcasters at gmail.com, or just a website. Just going to be trailcasters.com. But the most important thing, as always, and I always either slow down or I take this part a little bit too seriously, we are going to really want your five-star reviews, whether they are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or some other podcast that I'm not thinking about Spotify. I don't really care what does matter for those five-star reviews, because more reviews <laughs> means more people and more people's more fun. Keith, how is everything going and what is on the docket for today's show?
0: It is going so well because we have a great show here for you today. Eric Griffith of Blazers Edge is joining us. He'll be here to talk about uh, the end of the Blazers season, the Blazers being swept, how he's still feeling the sting from that a bit. And then we will get into a crazy idea that Eric yes! has. Uh, I'm not going to break too much <laughs> of it here. you got to wait for the interview. But he is talking about a deal that could involve Damian Lillard. Wah, 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 And after we talk to Eric, we will get into the first segment of our 2018 Blazers Players Reviews. We'll be going over the deep bench. That includes Papa G, Jake Lehman, Swanigan, Myers Leonard, and even the Noah Vonley, who we haven't seen or heard from in so long, so it'll be good to get back into that. And as always, your listener questions, but for now, let's turn back to the trailcaster singing meteorologist Brandon. How is the weather in downtown P-Town, my
1: friend? Downtown p Town's looking pretty good, as always, because it's always beautiful here in downtown P-Town. you got some clouds. It's May. It's spring. A little bit of sunbreak, a little bit of cloudiness. I went on a run, ran up to the Rose Garden. No, 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 not that Rose Garden, but the actual garden <laughs> That has roses in it You get a beautiful view of the city It was a tough run, but I'm feeling pretty good Pretty stretched out uh, It wasn't too hot either, so yeah, it was pretty nice How is everything with you? I guess you just already answered that question I'm not sure why I'm now turning oh, I'm, it I'm, back
0: around it's going, <laughs> it's going well with me too, man uh, I just want to actually tie this here Let me let me help you out with this little, little segue in there What happens in spring? <laughs> We're having fun in spring You're out running through the garden of roses Not the rose garden itself But what happens in spring? We warm up First oh, warm up yeah. of the day. <laughs> CJ McCollum. Uh, did you see this on FS1 the other day? He was talking about, uh, he was talking post game, I think, uh, after LeBron took out the Raptors. And he had some really interesting quotes about LeBron uh, comparing him to Kobe and even MJ a bit. He he made a comment about he doesn't think either of those guys, Kobe nor MJ, has hit eight fadeaway jumpers, c- uh, contested fadeaway jumpers, I think is what it was, in a game. Just point out how. Uh, Productive LeBron has been in the postseason. Uh, and I think a lot of fans, a lot of Kobe stands specifically, have kind of come back and given him given <laughs> CJ flack, saying, How dare you say LeBron's better than Kobe? He is. But uh yeah, I don't know. What do you think on this? You uh where, where do you stand? I know you've been talking with some people on Twitter about Kobe being a top 10 player.
1: <laughs> I got so much to say about this, Keith. First of all, this has everything to do with LeBron James being transcendental, and you're right, CJ was talking about LeBron James's game two performance where it kind of just looked like he was just messing with the Raptors. He had that one commentator at the at the it was during a a commercial break in the third quarter. What was that? LeBronto is that (laughs) calling it LeBronto. Oh man, those poor (laughs) Raptors fans and now uh, we know that the Cavs are up 3-0, not just 2-0. And so anyway, yeah, no CJ was talking about how unstoppable LeBron was. And it was true that like all of these like Kobe Bryant fans like come out of the woodwork. You had Nate Jones, um, at Jones on the NBA on Twitter. Uh, Nate Jones is I'm not exactly sure what he does, but I know he works at Damian Lillard and Adidas on his shoe related stuff. So he's like a pretty prominent figure in, in, in Twitter basketball. Uh, kind of yeah, you know, yeah. meanderings. Anyway, he he basically said, you know, people are sensitive and uh, obviously, like, you know, didn't know that what CJ was doing was not throwing shade at Kobe, but just saying that Braun is just on another level. And CJ responded that, you know, they have no idea. Kobe's my favorite player, but this is why I wanted to talk about this irrational love for Kobe Bryant. I will not stand it. If you follow me on Twitter <laughs> at GolderPDX, you will know as you just said, Keith. I've been having these conversations with people about whether Kobe Bryant is a top yes. ten all time NBA player. The answer is no, he is not. He is LeBron is better (laughs) MJ's better Larry Bird magic Johnson Wilt Chamberlain are all better Bill Russell I'd even say Hakeem Olajuwon take your pick Shaq there's so many other players way better than Kobe Bryant so many here's the thing about Kobe Bryant Kobe Bryant was a great player I don't think anyone anyone is saying he wasn't great he's a volume shooter he was a good defender but he's not a top 10 player of all time so really the only reason to be totally honest why I snuck this into the warm-ups was yes <laughs> CJ McCollum was talking about it I just wanted to talk shit about Kobe for another second or two so thank you so much <laughs> hey for I'm good me with that
0: <laughs> I'm always here for that man and listen uh, the it, I think we do need to differentiate that CJ McCollum was not calling out MJ or Kobe saying that LeBron just had a better shot it was about neither MJ nor Kobe uh, specifically had been had made eight contested fadeaway shots and I think he was pointing out, He even I think in that quote that you mentioned from Nate Jones, uh, talking about how much space LeBron creates because of his athleticism combined. And really, you can't argue that MJ nor Kobe was near the athletic uh, monster that LeBron is. It's just an extra facet of his game. I am always down for the Kobe hate, though. There's no way he's a top-ten player. The dude, uh, I mean, there's so many things that we probably can't even really say on the podcast as far as the real Kobe hate and why I dislike him, but there's <laughs> things off the court as well as on the just The dude is not, he, he's a great basketballer, especially of this generation. He is not someone to be able Looked up to and idolized and he certainly is not a top 10 player
1: it's just frustrating how kobe bryant fans will do everything in their power to defend kobe bryant when he even wasn't even the best player for three of those championships anyway moving on (laughs) there is more twitter drama to talk about yes this time it has to do with evan turner did you hear about this uh there is this dude he goes on twitter he's responding to chad doing who's a radio personality here in portland but he says that he wants to punch the following people. Ricky Bobby, <laughs> Shooter McGavin from the movie Happy Gilmore. Tony, yeah. Which is, that's a good one. I like that one. Tony Romo. I hate
0: shit like you for breakfast. You eat shit for breakfast? Sorry, it's going to be <laughs> one of my all-time favorite movie quotes. I love that.
1: That's such a great quote. Oh, I also love that, oh, you can count. And then the dude goes, and you can count on me finding you in the parking lot. That's <laughs> yeah. also one of my favorites. Um. Uh, So anyway, he lists off all these people he wants to punch, and one of them is Evan Turner, and the dude actually tags Evan Turner. By the way, just a separate aside, I don't understand why. If you're talking shit about an NBA player, do you really have to tag them? Do you really have to make sure that they have a
0: chance? Well, and he's... He's the only one that he tagged, too. Like, he, yeah. like, a lot of these people were fake movie characters. Ricky Bobby and Shooter McGavin. They're not real people. But he talked about Eli Manning. He talked about a number, number of these other players who were real legit people. And he didn't tag any of them. Apparently, he doesn't put Evan Turner on the same threat level. But, no, yeah, that totally. was kind of found out to be wrong there, wasn't it?
1: It was. Yeah, no, totally. It was funny. You're right. He was the only one who was tagged. So then Evan responds, I, I swear there's sort of a point to this, kind of. I have a question f- I have a question <laughs> go, for go. you at the end of this. But like, so Evan responds, <laughs> first of all, Evan Turner's such a great follower, uh, follow on Twitter, at the cadet. Oh yeah. He responds, shut up, ho. And then he responds, I'll be back in Portland this summer. Let's head up a boxing gym. Put the gloves on. I'll give you a shot. Let me know. And then the dude responds, to which Evan Turner responds, this isn't a movie, I'm going to beat that ass like straight up. So here's the question for you. Like, by the way, like, I'm just loving every minute of this, but like, uh, is there any Blazers player, you right now, Keith Feltner Smith, is there any Blazers oh, player that you think you would have even a prayer against in a fight in the boxing ring? Who would you have All right,
0: to go with? I- Look, 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 I don't want this to lead to some Trailcasters uh, exclusive live match where you're going to try and get (laughs) me set up to get into the ring with one of these guys. I'm not saying I have any real chance, but I will say... I've, I've, I've done a little bit of it before I, I could if you gave me the smallest weakest of the Blazers I could probably feel like I stood some chance maybe I you know, I, I don't know Shabazz would be the smallest but that dude's a dog man I don't want to go in a ring with him maybe Jake Lehman he looks like he's probably never really thrown a real punch in his life and if I can get inside that length maybe I'd have a good chance at it but uh, obviously the size difference there is going to be a bit of an obstacle to deal with right off the bat uh, I don't know I, I, let me fill in some of the details here though as far as the, the conversation with Evan he says yeah put the gloves on, i'll give you a shot let me know the guy responds saying i don't stand a chance but i'll do it like i'll show up and do it kind of thing so already he's kind of hedging his bet, being like oh hey i wasn't really trying to talk trash that much it's uh, like that but dude yeah, sticking
1: the phone in westbrook's face and he backs off really yes quick. exactly
0: <laughs> but i love that evan was just like this isn't a joke no like i'm gonna do this we're gonna do this i'm gonna beat your ass oh it, it made me it cracked me up man but yeah as, as far as uh, if i stood any chance you got to give me the <laughs> the weakest of the pack and i i might cross my fingers
1: well the other thing is i mean- I mean what what does this say about NBA Twitter where fans can now talk shit against an NBA player and actually find themselves in an actual fight against them I don't know I just think that's hilarious and it does say something about oh yeah go for it
0: well, I, I want to make a comparison on that, too, because I got into this. Not, and I didn't get into it, but I pointed something out to someone else that mentioned this online. They said uh, – I think Dan Morang had a comment on Twitter about how we're feeling in the off season, And someone mentioned when he heard that Evan Turner wanted to fight a fan, it basically turned him off from the Blazers, and he kind of clicked off. And I was like, dude, let's hold up a sec. This is not Raymond Felton. This is not the same thing as, like, fans uh, talking all. trash to Felton and Felton being like, come meet me in the parking lot kind of no, thing. No, it's a is dude who
1: Turner- tagged him on Twitter.
0: Yeah, the, the dude started the trouble, like without a doubt. But even beyond that, this isn't just Evan Turner like coming around trying to slap a guy. This is him saying, "Let's put on the gloves. Let's get in the gym. Let's do this right." You know, I'm sure this is a thing too. Where if it were to ever happen, it would be like, "Let's get the cameras in there. It would be an event." You know, they'd make a thing out of it. And Evan Turner's a smart dude. He's a good sport. I'm sure he'd be hugging the guy at the end and saying, "Thank you." But let's be real too. Evan boxes like the guy knows what he's doing, and you get beyond that, just the size and athleticism of a pro NBA baller. This would be hilarious. It might be short. It might be 10 seconds long but it'd be hilarious
1: yeah the last thing i want to say about this and i mean i know it doesn't come through as much when you're watching a game because all the players are you know playing and moving relative to themselves and they're all spectacular athletes nba players right. are very fast and very strong yeah. especially for how big they are so like when you go down like lately when i go to blazer games i've been trying to go early so i can go down to the court before the game to see them warm up and even them moving at like 25 percent speed it's pretty stunning. I mean, yeah. I think people would be surprised. It's not just the size. It's the speed and the strength. I, they, just to, I asked you a question earlier about who would you maybe want to fight or who you think you could beat. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, I, I could beat absolutely nobody on this team, probably none of, <laughs> none of the coaches, none of the training staff, none of the video Oh, I didn't I think
0: about the coaches. Not
1: even their social media folks. I know Cody Sherrod is in Minnesota now, but couldn't beat him up either. So, like, yeah, I'm not now, taking on, on anybody.
0: On. <laughs> I could, you, you, could, you could take on O'Shea. You could get some O'Shea hits in there.
1: I feel like Shea though, would have, like, the most, like, expensive, like, training equipment. He'd be, like, the dude in Rocky, the, the Russian dude working out with the computers and stuff. And I'd be, like, hauling logs in the snow. But, like, I'm not as, like, big as Rocky Balboa. I think it would end badly for me. Um, but that doesn't really matter what I think. Let us know what you think. Write us yes. at Trailcasters on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Also, you can email us, trailcasters at gmail.com. But that's enough talk for now. We want to get into our guest, Eric Griffith from Blazer's Edge. Here he comes. But first, a word from our sponsor, Envy Adventures. And if you are like me, you have a ton of cash that's burning a hole in your pocket. Where are you going to spend it? At Envy Adventures. That's enviadventures.com. Why? Because for as little as 100 bucks, you can go in a plane. You can check out Portland Mountain. Hood, the gorge, the forest, it's so beautiful now. I mean, we talked about the spring, all the greenery is coming up, but really the gorge has, yeah. I mean, it's, its I mean, we had that terrible fire, obviously, last summer, but spring, it's rejuvenation, it looks beautiful, and it looks even more beautiful when you're up in your own private chartered flight for as little as $100 per flight, not per person, but per flight. You should check them out, use their website to avoid those booking fees, and their website is nvadventures.com, that is E-N-V-I, adventures.com check them out
0: he is an editor for SB Nation's Blazers Edge you can also find his work at BlazersEdge.com he's covered the Blazers games when they visit Boston uh, since he lives over there on the east coast you can find him on Twitter at Eric G underscore NBA and you may have heard him on the Blazers Edge podcast as well as previously here on the Trailcasters ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the show Eric Griffith how are you sir I'm super excited because this is my second time on your show,
2: and yes. uh, yeah, that's always good to be a return guest, right?
0: Oh, we always love return guests, man. Welcome back, man. We really appreciate you coming. Uh, I think, uh, as usual, oh man, we're going to have too much fun with these Skype updates, aren't we?
1: <laughs> so just for people who can't obviously see us, we're using the Skype emoji thing to put emojis on our screen. I'm not sure how that benefits the call. Here comes a heart from Keith. Anyway, uh, Keith, please. Yeah, I can't see him. Oh, you really can't. Oh, oh. oh. Keith, I can't really send. I can't see though. Oh, I did a laughing. Keith did a heart. You did a oh, okay. thumbs up. Oh, so now we're both laughing. Jokes
0: well, um, I'm, 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 I'm,
1: I'm sure that listeners love to hear about this. Uh, Keith, why don't you help me out here?
0: <laughs> Let, let's backtrack here for a second. Let's uh, we don't need Skype updates. We need blazer updates. But let's talk about what happened last. Uh, the, the, the Blades is getting swept. Eric, we haven't really talked with you about this uh, since you haven't been on the show more recently since that happened. How are you feeling? Does this leave much of a bitter taste for you still, or are you kind of a little more separated from uh, the angst that is uh, Portland fandom since you've got Boston over there as well?
2: Um, I'm pretty much tired of this team, and I want speeding <laughs> changes despite what Neil Shea has to say, and I kind of wanted those before the season started. I did my best to get into the 13 wins, but now any, like, any semblance of optimism or like accepting this team is gone i'm done with them completely so is it fair to say
1: that when you heard (laughs) neil olshay's exit interview and he was like asking a hypothetical question about like so where are all those people that wanted those sweeping changes during the 13 game win streak it's fair to say that you were one of those people that even though the blazers were doing well (laughs) in the moment that you still saw structural uh problems of the team and wanted to see some changes and that would describe you. Was he looking right at you as he was saying those words, by the way, like were you skyping into that press conference? He was staring you right in the eyes. As he,
2: <laughs> I, I feel like he was. Cause you know, it's, it's like you, you can look at it from two, two sides. So it's a lot of fun to see the team win 13 games in a row. That's great. But you can also still acknowledge that there are fundamental flaws that are going to put a cap on this team's upper end. And that's why I was at, it. I was like, great. Yay. They, you know, they're going to maybe win a first round series. It's going to be fun. But that doesn't mean that in the long run, we want any part of this team not changing.
0: Right. I mean, the the 13-game win streak was fun, but outside of that, this team was still... I think barely above 500 over the course of the season, right? They were a little, a little barely better before, and I think a little worse overall after the 13 game win streak, especially dropping those ones right there at the end.
2: Yeah, and they were also, they're also the
0: healthiest team in the
2: NBA, or one of the five healthiest teams in the NBA, which um, to an extent is no longer luck. I, I don't think they've been consistently one of the healthiest teams in the NBA, so we can kind of maybe bank on that a little bit. Um, a but it's point. still scary to think that you have to hope everyone else gets hurt to get a to get home court advantage, essentially, which is really what happened this year. Well, you actually just brought up a
1: good point I hadn't thought about before. So the Blazers had a longtime trainer for like 15 or 20 years, right? They moved on from him a few years ago. Does the Blazers' health correspond with them getting a new training and conditioning staff? I actually hadn't thought about that before now. Do either one of you two know if there's any correlation there? Yes. The <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I, I had one yeah. more question about these disappointing playoffs because I think, and we're going to actually get into one of these topics. I'm not going to spoil it, but we're going to get one of them in, in a second. But you obviously look at what the team could do to change. And one of those changes I've heard uh, from folks, including my own self, uh, would be to perhaps move on from Neil Olshay. You've also heard a lot of folks saying the Blazers should consider moving on from Terry Stotts. Eric where are you if there is a debate and it's a a binary choice between either moving on from Stotts or moving on from Olshe where would you fall in that discussion I don't think we deserve Terry Stotts anymore. I think it's time Ooh. for him to, uh,
2: <laughs> to find people who are going to not be annoyed at him for not being able to make this team with two players and then five half players, um, you know, win playoff games. So I think it's uh, time for Terry Stotts to move on for his own good. <laughs> so I'm all for him getting hired in Milwaukee, coaching Giannis, and uh, making the finals for, you know, oh finally being God. the guy who beats LeBron. <laughs> um, and that's way better than any opportunity he's going to have in Portland for the next year or two. So,
0: Yikes. Uh, that, that is quite the take for it, man. I hadn't really thought about... Thought about uh, well, I mean, I had not thought about it. I agree with you that Stots has done so well. Almost, it almost is like we don't deserve him. But would you maybe think that if we did get rid of Olshay on the other side, could we keep Stotts around by building a better roster, giving him something more to work with here? Or is he just... Uh, uh, it, it's a no-go at this point. Um,
2: I, I think that once you start to switch GMs, you're more likely to see the coach also switch because the GM is going to want to mm-hmm. bring his guy in. Um, I think... Terry Stotts is as good or better than all of the coaches on the open market right now, though. So um, I could I personally would want him to take a Rick Carlisle or Brad Stevens or Greg Popovich long term role in Portland. If Doc Rivers can continue to get rehired in L.A. and that's a sign of who's available, then by all means, you have to keep Stotts around through multiple GMs and multiple owners and whatever.
0: Yeah, I would, I would love to see that kind of job security for him. I would love it if we saw some kind of commitment from Paul Allen or heard something somewhere along the line that he was going to get kind of that uh, the Popovich treatment, if you want to put it like that, just kind of give yeah. him a... Kind yeah, of, uh, maybe uh, the
2: Carlisle treatment, you know, because he um, yeah. Carlisle is living through a rebuild right now, and there's no question he's going to stay around. Um, and I think they're roughly on par. I'm sure you could nitpick and say Carlisle's better, maybe slightly 5% better, but I don't think you're going to lose games because of coaching if you have either of them more so than you would with any other coach.
0: I don't know. I, I, Stotts, as good of a coach as he is. He, I think there obviously are some deficiencies. There's been a lot of talk about uh, his lack of ability to kind of make an adjustment on there. And I'm, again, I'm not right on him at all. I think like you said, we don't deserve him in Portland here. We need to do better to really keep him around. But uh, what would you think? Is there, is there assistant coaches out there on the market that you think would be someone that should be looked at more as kind of a way to keep him around something to kind of bolster up maybe his uh, his weaknesses, such as like a defensive-minded coach on the on the assistant side?
2: Well, I don't know that we um, really know what his weakness We can really separate his weaknesses from the roster's weaknesses. They <laughs> have one of the top five offenses in the NBA when they had LaMarcus Aldridge. They have a top 10 defense right now um, with a team that could barely play defense last season. Um, the biggest complaint I've seen is he fails to make adjustments, but there really is nothing to adjust. What I saw in the playoffs was the Pelicans... Send two guys at Damian Lillard and they just have two guys follow him around. They have a third guy basically hug CJ McCollum and then they say, <laughs> We're gonna play three on two. If your three guys can beat our two guys and the Blazers three guys could not score (laughs) against two Pelicans defenders and if that's going to happen there's no adjustment that's that's just the end of it yeah I just want to make a
1: couple comments about Stotts one is that the best roster he had was the you know the roster before Wes Matthews went down uh, the trade for Aaron Aflalo that roster I think had the best chance especially considering where the Western Conference was and actually contending Um, still in my delusional head I think the Blazers would have maybe made the Western Conference finals that year that would have been incredible but they They have not had a roster better than that since. So that's number one. And then number two, like you just said, like, look, you're talking about a roster that spent, uh, you know, or a team that spent a quarter of a billion dollars on Evan Turner, Myers, Leonard, Mo Harkless and Alan Crabb. And what are you going to do? I think that Olshay, here's the thing, like, and we've talked a lot about Olshay. If you listen to the podcast, you know that I'm not a huge fan He's gotten several bites at the Apple. It doesn't mean he's a terrible general manager. he's good at drafting, he's not as good at some other things. He's gotten multiple different chances, and this is the result the team is locked into this roster unless there's some miraculous trade unless someone else around the league overvalues one of the Blazers players. And speaking of overvaluing one of the Blazers players, I'm going to transition us into the meat of this interview and Eric, why we have you on we go, is that you had a piece for Blazer's Edge that suggested the absolute most blasphemous thing I've ever seen in. My whole life (laughs) suggesting that potentially and i'm overhyping this i mean if you read the piece eric took a pretty um measured measured take with this the blazers should potentially look at trading damien lillard i don't want to spoil too much of your take (laughs) on (laughs) this eric yeah those are the (laughs) hip-hop horns if you didn't know um but without the actual hip-hop horn eric i want to just let you kind of open this and take this this discussion started off Uh, why should the Blazers consider uh, trading their best player, the best player they've had in many years, the heart and soul of the team, et cetera, et cetera. Why should they uh, consider this option?
2: So right now the Blazers are short on talent. I think we saw that in the Pelican series. Like I said, they had two real players and five half players or whatever. Um, And so what we have is Damian Lillard, who's really good. He's an all-star CJ McCollum, who's not an all-star. And then we have a bunch of guys who are role players and Nurkic theoretically could be pretty good, but he's still playing 24 minutes a game. Doesn't assert himself against mirror in the low post. So he's just not a viable all-star caliber type of player. So what the blazers need is more talent. And so any trade that is going to get them more talent is a good trade right now. And Damian Lillard is one of the only players on the team because of the contract situation who you can trade away this summer and bring back more basketball talent than you send out. He's a top 15 player in the NBA, probably, maybe right in that general range as far as overall talent, but because of some of the uh, some of the intangibles, you could get back a top 10 player in exchange and getting a top 10 player onto this team right now is a huge boost. And so you have to look at possibly trading Damian Lillard just because they need more basketball talent more than anything else.
0: Yeah, that's uh, okay. So boy, I mean, you know, disregarding the blasphemy part that we were talking about a second ago. uh, I get what you're saying with this, uh, at least as far as what we've talked about before with uh brendan and i on previous episodes is if you were trading away cj or either uh, even other options it's going to be hard to get uh equal value in return and so like so your point mostly here is that by going as high of a value target as dame it kind of ensures that we get proper proper return on it instead of feeling like we're losing on the yeah, and, and i get that but and right now the th- other ahead, thing to
2: think about is with the contracts in the nba you want contract you want to be paying players less than their on-court value the blazer is the only player they have mm-hmm. right now now, who's not overpaid is Damian Lillard. Everyone else on the team is overpaid and except for Zach Collins on a rookie deal um, so you, or everyone.
1: Go ahead. Uh, just really quick. You don't think that CJ McCollum's on slightly less than a max contract. You do not believe that he is exceeding his contract value. He's correct? on like, he's on like
2: 99% of So there's a couple things. Number one, he is functionally a max contract. It's like 99% of a max. He's being paid more than Giannis Antetokounmpo right now. Think about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's going to continue to get 8% raises and those 8%, or I think it's seven and a half, whatever the maximum raise is. And those raises for those bigger contracts compound to mean he's taking up more and more of the salary cap, a higher percentage of the salary cap every season going forward. And so even though it's not technically a max contract at the time, it's still taking up a huge percentage of the salary cap for a guy who can't even sniff the All-Star team. That is an overpay in my opinion. As much as I like CJ on the court, it's hard to not think he's overpaid with that max deal that is continuing to get raises.
1: I think that's fair and evaluating the rest of the Blazers' talent and the contracts they're on, I I don't think we need to really get into that too much. Before we go on, I did want to at some point move on to like what would a trade for Dame look like. Before we get to that, I wanted to ask both of you, and I let's start maybe with Keith on this one. Keith if the Blazers were to trade Damian Lillard, it's not just that he's the best player that they've had since Brandon Roy was healthy, and if you go back before that, the best player since Clyde Drexler is that Damian You're Lillard. You're Lamarcus Aldridge and Rasheed Wallace a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I would say that Damian Lillard is a better player than both of those two. Uh, probably Lamarcus Aldridge is a little bit closer uh, than Rashid. Um, but uh, it's not just that he's such a great player. It's that he means a lot to this franchise. He's embedded in Portland. He's made a point to say, hey, Portland is where I want to be. I want to make my home here. He has nothing good but good things to say about the city. Um, you know that means something, and just being kind of that outward-facing superstar, which Lamarcus certainly was not, which Brandon Roy kind of wasn't really a ton. Um, again, I think you have to go back even to Clyde, and at that point, I, I don't know. It's it's so much the the media landscape and how things work back in the '90s is so much different than it is today. Yeah, I'm rambling, Keith. I wanted to ask you <laughs> if you trade Damian Lillard, what does it do to the fan base? Does is there some is there some additional harm? That's done because of how rooted Dame is in in Portland.
0: I'm glad you actually brought this up because I was thinking about this when we when we first opened this conversation. Uh, from big stars we've seen recently that get kind of out, ousted by their franchise, I'm thinking like Demarcus Cousins specifically there it we saw a lot of kind of fan backlash and kickback as far as not really feeling like that was a good move. I'm not really sure if Sacramento is the best example because they're they, you know they're not really in the same position as Portland <laughs> as far as fan expectations and the rest. But yeah, I mean I think even given Portland's own history with what happened with LaMarcus with some of the injuries we've had to the stars that we did invest our time and talent in, I think that that would be a a, a harsh one for the fan base to take. It's hard to really predict what the uh consequence would be uh outside of maybe really calling for all head but you know not like that's that different from what's happening already i don't know what do you think brennan do you think that's something that uh is mixed up too much or i mean obviously eric i don't think you're too worried about it right
2: no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not not worried about it. Um, I think that is something to factor in, but the bottom line is I've been watching the Blazers flame out in the first round of the playoffs for 20 plus years. I'm ready for <laughs> something different. And so my number one thing right now is I want the Blazers to be a better dang basketball team. And Obviously we don't want the jailblazers. So there's a balance here. You know, we don't want to go back to the Zach Randolph days, Um, but there, there's a middle ground there. And I, I think winning needs to be prioritized right now. And I don't know that Damian Lillard um, should be taken off the trade block. If winning is your number one priority. And uh, that's something I would at least want to see them explore. We saw it work out really well for Boston. They traded a guy who was the heart and soul of their team, who the fans were similarly Mm -hmm. obsessed with. Um, And they, they're, they're flourishing right now. And the fans accepted that within a couple of months, they accepted that it was time to move on and
0: to keep this team moving forward. So, so in that case, in that example with Boston too, I guess it really does come down to what the deal is that you're getting in return. And like you said, the, the, the big point of this would be getting back more value than you're sending out even. And obviously part you, you would think that we're going to look for a point guard at I'm, I'm assuming in return, or do you think it's then kind of structured around CJ is running the offense?
2: I think it's structured around you need more talent, so you take whoever you get. (laughs) Um, You know, the the crazy idea I threw out was Kawhi Leonard, for instance. And so just as an example, he's a top five player. And so you bring in more talent and he fills a massive hole, that hole of having a wing who, a two-way wing who can score and also be a lockdown defender and can shoot 40 plus percent from three. And so he fills a massive hole and then you shuffle things around. You can find a point guard on the free agent market. You can, uh, you can re-sign Shabazz Napier. You can, you know, finally maybe convince CJ to expand his game a little bit instead of just getting... Being better at what he's already good at. There's options, I think. Well let's 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 focus on I'm glad you brought up Quiet
1: Leonard because I mean for people who may not be following the Spurs as closely, they're like, What do you mean Quiet Leonard's available? He's been injured the whole year. This quadriceps tendinopathy. Um, came back for a brief moment, then was sidelined again. The Spurs doctors cleared him. They're now calling his injury an injury management rather than quadriceps tendinopathy. He's going to New York, meeting with separate doctors. Tony Parker's talking shit about him. His other teammates are having closed door meetings with him. He's, you know, Popovich is is anyway, all of this is to say that there's some discord in san antonio that we haven't seen in basically in the history of the franchise ever right which is really bizarre so potentially Kawhi leonard is available so let's say that the spurs want to move on from Kawhi leonard what would a package with damian lillard and and Kawhi leonard look like and eric i want to ask you and and here's my thought if the spurs think that Kawhi can get fully healthy That means that at his peak, he's a better player than Damian Lillard. He's a better defensive player, arguably a better offensive player. Um, He's an MVP candidate. He's what, 26 years old? So he's, I think, the same age as Damian Lillard. So, Eric, let me ask you if Kawhi Leonard were on the table, and just as a cat, I just want to say this really quick. If that were the deal, I would say to do it. Um, I feel weird about saying that, but Eric, what would, and I know that none of us are like super ultra You're duper signing ca- off
0: quick on that, bro. You're signing off quick on that, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, anyway, <laughs> I want to stop talking, let Eric talk for a second. Um, and I apologize. Cause I've been babbling a bunch, but like, what, what, what would the other, what would kind of the ancillary pieces of that deal look like? How much would Portland value Dame? How much would San Antonio value value Kawhi? How would this look in in your head if this were actually to go down?
2: You know, I I really have no idea. It depends on the other offers that are out there and what San Antonio's future direction would be. If they're going to try to continue to compete, then it may just be straight... we could just imagine straight up Dame for Kawhi. If you suggest this to Spurs fans, they want no part of it. They just say no, not happening, yeah. um, just for the record. And so it is. And also, if you suggest it to Blazer fans, about two-thirds of Blazer fans say no, this isn't happening, which might be a sign it could happen.
0: Um, yeah, right. Just kidding. The, the idea that neither team um, wants the trade, like that's usually the sign yeah. of a good trade, right, is when neither yeah. people, neither team feels <laughs> like they uh, really want out. To-
2: yeah, ahead, um, I, I think the I think the benefit here for this for the Blazers is it gives you like one more year to try to keep it going without doing a hard rebuild and Kawhi upset talent level and if things go really well then maybe you can talk him into re-signing because he will be a free agent. If he's not, then you are hitting reset. You're trading CJ immediately that summer and you're moving on to the next you know the next era of Blazers basketball. Um, so what you're gambling is. If you wait one more year, you could trade Dame next summer, and then what do you get for Dame? You get some draft picks or whatever. You're gambling that package for Dame a year from now to accelerate the rebuild one year and kind of do a hail mary last chance attempt with Kawhi Leonard. And I think it's uh, it'd be interesting. You know, if nothing else, I'd be a lot more fascinated by the team now than I am right now, or then than I am did- right now.
0: It definitely is an interesting interesting point when you start thinking about it, about it like that. And I think you have a very valid point there as far as the waiting a year and the packages we'll be able to get for Dame if that were what we were trying to offer would be a lot less than what you could get right now. And honestly, with the, the talk of Kawhi being available, how often is a, a player of his talent level really available on the open market? If we were going to go for it, we're not going to really... We can't really assume that we could have the best offer unless we're including Dame or CJ and a bunch of other talent. So maybe it is better to kind of package it all in one player and keep a lot of the rest of that on the roster. It, it would also, you talk about a team maybe revolving around now, CJ and uh, Kawhi and Nurkic. Like You have a much more balanced uh, talent sheet there than you would have in all the talent, all the offense kind of in the, in the guard backcourt and then kind of feeding into Nurkic as well.
2: Let me ask you guys a follow up regarding the rebuild. Do you guys think that it's still possible to trade high on CJ or did they wait one year too long?
0: I think that's a great question. Brendan, just let me jump in here real fast because it, one thing I was talking about last episode when we had Jamie on here, uh, Dame and Nurk both looked good this year. They, they have a lot of stats, and a lot of numbers you could look at to show they are continuing to progress. CJ seemed to kind of level out and maybe even drop on mm-hmm. some of his numbers. So the, the PER is down, a lot of the efficiency stats that I was looking at. Uh, And yeah, I mean, I think that does kind of depress his value. So again, if you're looking at big packages, I I was I wanted to talk about at one point. We might bring this up on a future episode. Who would you rather leave as the big uh, the big trade package for the Blazers would be either CJ or Zach Collins, kind of that young potential. And all the kind of the high ceiling, he has the unknown factor. But yeah, CJ might have kind of lost some of his value. And maybe that makes this Dame situation all the more possible.
1: I think one thing about trading CJ, remember that it only takes one GM to kind of irrationally be in love with a player and to make a swing a deal for him. I think you could maybe talk yourself that CJ uh, playing besides Dame is not getting as much opportunity as he could on a team where he was just like quantifiably the, the, the primary ball. handler. I see Eric is grimacing there in the background. Uh, what are your, <laughs> what I'll just stop there. What are your thoughts on that comment that I just made? <laughs>
2: I think I, I don't necessarily agree that CJ's opportunities are going to improve anywhere else, or he's going to have more opportunities anywhere else he was averaging. I just pulled his stats up and he's averaging 19 shots per 36 minutes playing for the Blazers this year with Dame. Yeah. I don't know how many more shots he's going to get than that anywhere. And he was clearly the only other really viable offensive option. Um, Keith already covered the fact that all of his advanced stats either plateaued or went downhill this season. What I saw from a eye test perspective that backs that up is that he didn't really add anything to his game as far as skills go. He just got better at what he was already good at. So he's really good at breaking guys down one on one and scoring in the mid range. He got even better at that this year but he didn't add, and he's really good at like flashy, you know, like whip it around a guy in traffic and hit, hit a cutter. He's not so good at passes, but he's not so good as an actual playmaker running an offense. And he didn't really seem to grow in that area. He didn't seem to grow in finishing around the rim. He didn't get better at drawing fouls. He didn't, his three point percentage actually decreased. I mean, it's still very good, but he's not Kyle Corver by any means out there. I have not looked up Kyle Corver's stats. That may be a bad thing to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's not leading the Fair NBA three-point percentage this year. And so I didn't see someone who was who was fundamentally adding to his value. I saw someone who had plateaued and who wasn't going get, to get much better necessarily and is playing on a max contract. His shot selection got a little bit better. He's taking fewer
1: long twos. And you could also say maybe he got better uh, as a team defender.
2: Um, but you're right. There's not... Uh, a- Oh, go for it. For the record, I, I am talking only about offense. You're absolutely okay. right. As a team defender, he was much better this year. I have no disagreement there. That's totally true. Okay,
1: that's fair. Yeah, I mean, maybe the other thing I would say is that the minutes that CJ spends playing besides Damian Lillard are not maximizing his offensive efficiency where CJ could really maybe benefit from having the ball in his hand. Although, I mean, was it... Man, was this another article of yours? I can't remember now, Eric, where... uh uh, someone was talking about how cj needs to pass more um
2: i forget who wrote that, that. yeah that was me that was yes, CJ McCollum is arguably the biggest ball hog in the nba he's <laughs> one of the least willing passers in the entire league um if you oh, it was someone it was a reddit user charted it out and if you look at his sh- the number of times he he shoots for the number of times he touches the ball he shoots more than almost anyone else when he touches the ball and a lot of those guys in the same category are guys like Kyle Korver or Clay Thompson who are really just coming around screens and shooting off of screens and that's their job CJ's a primary ball handler and he's shooting all the time that's not Um, great
1: yeah that's that's not great and I wanted to maybe touch on a couple more potential trades for Dame uh unless Keith you had anything else on this particular subject
0: well, I, I, let's let's talk more about the trades for Dame, and then I wanted to actually ask about alternatives for this. But go ahead. Uh, what other packages are you thinking about other than uh, Kawhi?
1: Uh, I don't know. I was hoping to look for you two to bail me out on that. I mean, are there <laughs> any—the like the, the Kawhi one makes a ton of sense for a ton of reasons. Are there any other potential targets for a Damian Lillard? And I just want a caveat to say I haven't thought about that much. I have thought more about destinations for CJ, not for Dame. Um, yeah, Keith, do you have any—
0: A lot of my thoughts, too, like when we've talked about these trades before, I haven't really looked at ideas for Dame. Uh, But just in the idea of if Kawhi would be one of our big targets, and I like the idea of what Eric was saying about balancing out kind of the talent scheme of what Portland has on offense. If Kawhi was maybe not available or maybe they just went with a different offer, what about Paul George? It's not likely he's staying in OKC. He plays the same position, similar kind of like top tier two-way wing player. We could bring him in here and maybe, especially if you're getting rid of Dame instead of CJ, we could bring him in with other parts of OKC. Maybe look at some of the uh, uh, Roberson or maybe some other defensive players to bring around for the same package. What do you think of that, that? Is that possible to swing or do you think that's maybe asking too much?
2: Um, I think it would be great,
0: except the Blazers can't do sign and trades. Oh, okay. There you go too. Yeah, and that would be the issue with Paul George. Uh, I don't know what other, what other. I do like the no, idea no, I, of looking I, for the two-way. I, lead. I think
2: you're exactly right. I would, I would say Paul George would be the type of guy that they should look for um, in, a, the in a Damian yeah. Lillard trade. Yeah, you need another. Um, you want another guy who's in that top fifteen range. Who is a like certified annual all-star no matter what, basically. And so someone like Paul George, who plays wing well, and who is a similar player to Kawhi Leonard in some ways, would be a really good fit here. I also haven't really thought about it, because I don't think it's actually on the table. I don't think Neil Shea is calling guys up and saying, like, hey, Damian Lillard's for sale. I think I think what I think, but I think my point is that you have to, when someone like Kawhi maybe comes up as possibly being available, you have to consider... Um, calling up and including Dame in an offer, if that distinction makes any sense.
1: Well, if we're hard pressed to find other potential targets, maybe we should just ask ourselves this question: If we, if we were the GM or the president of basketball operations, rather, would we make this deal? Kawhi for Dame? Eric, you're a yes. Uh, I'm a, I'm a yes. Um, I think it makes a ton of sense for the Blazers, probably more so than the Spurs. Although, again, if that relationship is totally broken, they think that's the best package they can get. I guess that makes sense for them, too. Uh, Keith, where are you? Would you trade the Blazers franchise player for Kawhi Leonard? Oh, boy.
0: This is tough. Uh, And I think kind of like what Eric probably would have been saying, too. He's probably a yes, but I think it depends on so many variables still as far as what packages are out there, what other options uh, end up as part of the deal getting rid of Dame to package for Kawhi another thing that I would be worried about would be the injuries the injury history just because again Portland has such a redundant history with getting these players who then end up not having the value for us after we picked them up I don't know man uh if the package is right, it's something you have to consider, I think, is the best way to really look at it. So uh, consider me riding the fence. <laughs> what,
2: what if it led to... Just- I, I think the selling point, too, for the Spurs, because you know it, this is a Blazer-centric podcast, but the important thing to remember is there is appeal for the Spurs here in that if that relationship is irreparable, they got a couple options. They can trade for Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum and whatever Danny Ainge throws in. They can trade for um, you know a prospect like that, or they can get Dame. Dame fits really well with the Marcus Aldridge on court. We saw that in Portland. They already won what 50 or how many? How many did they win this year? 45 with, without Kawhi. Um, the Spurs 48. Yeah. yeah. It was less than they're 50. In that, that, it was yeah. They're in that <laughs> high 40s win range. You throw Dame onto the exact same team with 48 wins. They're they're already up around 55 wins. They're in that. They're the clear number three team in the West immediately if they make yeah. this trade. Um, and so if you can convince. Dame and LaMarcus to give it another chance, maybe after, you know, <laughs> not failing necessarily, but maybe after winning less than 50 games without each other, maybe now they see that that value on court and they can put some of the, maybe some of the personal stuff aside and Popovich can work his magic. There, there's an appeal there to San Antonio, I think, to not having to rebuild and just immediately becoming a contender again on the fly.
0: Okay, if we've got time for one more angle on this, uh, uh, again, keep the GM mindset going. Looking for alternatives to trade in Dame, like let's say... If we're wanting that big return on value, like you're saying, is there anything, any other packages that we can get reasonably that would give us uh, the same kind of chance at Kawhi? Like if you're trading, you know, like we said, if I, I mentioned earlier CJ and Zach being the next two big value pieces we'd have, uh, is there any way you get the same kind of return as trading Dame without getting rid of him? If, if they just decide, no, the franchise player stays.
2: I think the problem is that the players we don't know if there's any players with that kind of value available right now. Um, The more I think about the more I just worry last year was a missed opportunity with Jimmy Butler and Paul George. Mm -hmm. And I'm presuming Portland wasn't in those conversations for real because CJ was off the table. And so I can't not look back at last year and say what happens if they they think about throwing CJ into those deals. And so that's I'm worried that last year was the last real good chance to get a return. If you're looking for an immediate rebuild, if you're looking for draft picks, then trading CJ and Zach suddenly becomes a lot more viable if you're just looking to rebuild now. I think that that should be
1: something the Blazers consider um, just going for completely punting the prime of Damon and CJ and just saying, we're going to start all the way over. I'm not sure this fan base could stomach that necessarily. I mean, you talk about <laughs> some, some things out of the Blazers control. I mean, Brandon Roy and Greg Odin being injured, not under their control, but that was an entire like dynasty right in the making that was cut off at the knees. And then you have the Damon LaMarcus era, and that was cut off by LaMarcus leaving. So like, I don't know if the fan base could stomach it, but then again, does that really matter? And then you get into these questions about would then the Blazers being in Portland, would that be in jeopardy if Paul Allen is... Oh I, there's a whole lot oh of boy. stuff. I mean, we could talk for another hour <laughs> about that. But um, Keith, did you have anything else? It looks like we're kind of running short on time. But um, well,
0: well, we got some listener questions, actually, that'll deal with some of that later about Portland's future here. So we'll get to that stuff uh, as well. I wanted to say... Um, Oh, gosh, what was it right there? Oh, you brought up Odin and the Odin era. Imagine, like we said earlier, if the... uh the health staff uh, for the Blazers had kind of changed a little sooner. No, and if that really no, didn't no, make no, a no, difference, no. that was
1: not that was not their fault. You cannot put that. You can't. Hey, put I'm
0: Brandon not putting it on, on anyone. I'm just I'm just throwing tinfoil hats out there. That's all I'm saying.
1: Oh, you're, you're doing the Fox <laughs> News. I'm just asking the question. Thing is what you're doing. No, no, no. I'm not going to put Brandon Roy and Greg Oden on the on the health and training staff. You could put other things on them, but not that. Um, in my opinion, anyway. Eric is raising his eyebrows. I'm going to get you off the podcast, but before we do, wanted to say thank you again for coming on it was great to have you as always thank you um, and if people wanted to connect with you thumbs up guys it's... i'm gonna
2: give you a little heart on skype chat ready <laughs> bring, bring it go. back to the heart and
1: thumbs is. up. i realized <laughs> my mic cut out um hey i finally saw that one <laughs> yeah there you go the system works I'll try, I'll try to send one back um but eric if people wanted to connect with you online and find you and your colleagues work uh where can they find that
2: I am on BlazersEdge.com. I write every Tuesday. For now, um, I may take a week or two off in the summer because I'm tired of writing about this team. I'm a little annoyed, <laughs> as you can tell. Not not quite over <laughs> over the season yet. Um, and I'm on Twitter, EricG_NBA. My private messages are open,
0: so there's no excuse to not get in touch with me. <laughs> Look at this guy. He, he's just just bring all comers, bring all challengers for it. Uh, well, awesome, man. Thank you again for coming on, and hopefully we can have you back soon. We'll uh, we'll celebrate the off-season a little more together when you're uh, when you're a little more past the past the regular season like you said yeah
2: let's have a, let's let's wait a month or two and have a like a positive off-season conversation there
0: we go. <laughs> yes. we'll be right back with more trail casters but first a word from our sponsor clearly speaking so, Brandon, if you're ever going to get online and talk some trash to someone like Evan Turner or even Dame, if you want to get on and talk some trash about this uh, this whole trade bait idea, uh, I don't personally want anything to do with it. But if you're going to say anything to him, you should make sure that you're saying it properly. You should be speaking clearly, uh, proper diction, proper grammar. And if you need help with that, or let's say you're not wanting to start trash, if you were a student or uh, anyone in customer service, representation, lawyers, No, teachers, only, if doctors, only if you want to talk trash. Only anyone who is looking to work on their. Speech and their public speaking abilities, you should talk to Brenda Nuckton at Clearly Speaking. Uh, She can help with accent reduction, voice techniques to reduce fatigue or strain over a long period of the day. If you're someone who has to podcast for hours and hours every week with some guy who just can't seem to keep his stuff together and concise, uh, I don't know who that would be referring to. But uh, Brenda has been a longtime listener of the show. She's also a licensed speech-language pathologist, so she is the one that can help you out with any of these problems. Speak to her, and you can find uh, all of her contact information at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. That's clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Check them out today. Welcome back. Thank you again to Eric Griffith of Blazer's Edge. Now we are going to dive into the deep end of the bench. This is the first segment of Blazer Players uh, Players Review that we're going to be doing here on the show, and so we figured it'd be best to start at the lower end and we'll build as we go. Uh, for our purposes, the deep bench is going to comp- uh, be comprised of players who have, what, Brendan, I think you said they each spent less than 10 minutes a game on the floor?
1: Yeah, except for Noah Vonley, who got traded. I think he might have been over 10 minutes. And you're right, and I want to give a quick preview for the upcoming weeks uh, between now And the draft... We're going to do every episode, a different group of folks. Today's the deep bench. Yes. Next week is going to be the bench big, so Ed Davis and Zach Collins. Then it's going to be the bench guards, so Napier and Baldwin. Then the starting wings with Harkless and Aminu. And then the last two are going to be split into two. Excuse my voice. Split into two. And We were trying to get the episodes right and the timing right before the draft. Uh, So on June 10, talking about the stars, which are Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum. Then, of course, June 17, the superstar of the team, Damian Lillard. Do a whole review on him, but yes. until we get to Damian Lillard, we have to start with the deep bench. And Keith, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, get us going on this. We got. Well, let me let me, no. let, me let me do this. Let's let's say who they are, um <clears throat> and then we'll get started with you. How's that sound?
0: Okay, okay, sounds okay. Good.
1: So we're going to be talking about Noah Vonleh, Jorgis Papayanis, Jake Layman, Caleb Swanigan, Myers Leonard. So without further ado, Keith, why don't you get us started a little bit about Noah Vonley, what he meant to this team this year?
0: Well, I miss Noah Vonley, man. Let me just say that right off the bat. And I want to say as well, I've heard some other talk about this, and I think it's 100% accurate. If we had kept Vonley, we gave him up to alleviate a little bit of cap pressure. didn't do a whole lot for us, just a little bit. If we had kept him, he is really someone who could have had he would have been one more body we could have thrown at Anthony Davis in that first round series. I think not saying he would have made all the difference, he's not that player yet, but he with with his physical traits that he has and the positions and kind of skills that he has, he is someone that could have really helped us in that series. Who knows at this point what can you really say because Portland traded Noah to the Bulls for uh, I believe it was Milikan Rakovic, Milikan, I'm not real sure if he really if I really pronounced that right, but I don't think uh, I don't even think he knows how to pronounce his name properly. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly uh it was just a salary dump to get out of the, the tax threshold for one more season for us.
1: And this dude, by the way, Rakovich, he was the last pick of the two thousand seven draft. And and yes, you heard Whoa. that that yeah. So this guy's never going to come over and play the NBA. Um, right. So yeah, it was a pure salary dump to dump the, to deduct the tax. But let's talk a little bit about Noah. Uh, he averaged 4.9 points and 5.9 rebounds on the year. Um, been playing a little bit better with the Bulls. Obviously the Bulls, a rebuilding team. He has more opportunity there. And one thing to think about really quickly is that he only shot 0. 0.2 threes per game when he was with the Blazers, but he shot nearly three threes <sighs> per game with the so, Keith, if Noah had been used differently, would he have had more value with his Blazers team? And, and isn't it yes. interesting that in a Stott's offense, why wouldn't he have been taking more threes?
0: Yeah, th- this this is I, this is always going to frustrate me, and I don't know if I'm ever going to really have a clear answer on this. But I loved Noah Vonley when he was here. He was such a great fit. I really thought he could be a building piece for the future for us, uh, much like what we are seeing now in Zach Collins, but just kind of a different physical asset as well. Not quite the length, just a little more uh, a little more built that way. But we always wanted him to. Build in more of this outside shot. And I heard the same thing that he's taking more, uh, a lot more in Chicago than he was here. And I think I saw that he's shooting around the 30% range. Is that do we did you have that in there? Uh yeah, that's so it's it's that's completely usable. It's not 35 or 40 like we're seeing from some of our top end guys. But again, besides the idea of him being able to defend Anthony Davis in this last series, what is one thing we've been saying all season and from a lot of different sources that we can use more of here? More three point shooting to spread the defense.
1: And one more thing about Noah Vonley, too, it's a little disappointing. Is that he was the, you know, half of the trade the Blazers made when they shipped out Nick Batum. They traded Nick Batum yeah. for Gerald Henderson, who's since retired with hip issues, and for Vonley, So now the Blazers essentially traded Batum for nothing, which is a bummer. And remember, yeah. this was before Batum got that lengthy contract. Batum was on a reasonable contract. They could have done a lot better than nothing in return. So, I mean, I mean, not to go off on Neil Olshay, but again, that's, that's another, it's, a, it's another reason why, you know, maybe the Blazers should really give someone else a shot at building yeah. and constructing this team. But uh, yeah, it's wild, though. Vonley's still only 22, so he might still have room to develop. But now, you know, the Hornets moved on from him. The Blazers moved on from him. We're going to see if, if can maybe make a home for himself in Chicago.
0: So, someone who has come back here for the Blazers, though, uh, and we're probably going to see a little more of, hopefully, in the future. I would, I would think, uh, after the little bit that we saw of him so far, is Jorgos Papianis. Let's let's clear this up too with the fans. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of people saying George's or Georgie Papianis. It is Jorgos. Uh, so let's be you know respectful of of foreign cultures and and the rest of it. He's not uh,
1: my Gus. He's not our Gus. He's
0: Jorgos. <laughs> there you go. Uh, only one game with the Blazer uniform so far, but he was a plus fifteen in the four. Minutes that he played there, he had two steals and a, a put-back bucket. I think is what it was. Um, in the it was it was one of those close games against the Rockets where we almost took the the comeback. But what do you think? Do you think you are going to see more of him uh, in the future? Is this a body that we could actually see after he was almost out of the NBA entirely?
1: Well, it's wild, right? I think we had an episode uh, five or six episodes ago. Where we talked about who in the Blazers first acquired him from the Kings. He was a lottery pick. He's a big dude. He's also young and yet again you know the kings just kind of gave up on him uh right. right he was waived the blazers didn't they pick him up on on waivers i think or um yeah yeah we talked so, about
0: this with uh, michael v- uh, weisenberg a while ago shout out to him and yeah i think the deal was that the kings basically very uh uncommonly gave up on this guy partway through his rookie deal and he's basically been floating out there for nothing and and i think after being heavily scouted at first as someone who could have a lot of potential people just kind of were a little afraid of committing to it so you know who knows maybe this is the The karma that we get back after having to give up on the Batum value of Vonley uh, after seeing that go out the door. Maybe this guy's the one who kind of comes back because he's uh, the same thing happened for another team and we can pick up the pieces.
1: Well, and just to kind of bring it down back to earth a little bit, you think about the Blazers, at least as currently (laughs) constructed. Think about their bigs rotation. They have Nurkic, they have Ed Davis, they have Zach Collins, they have Swanigan, they have Myers-Leonard. Where is there room for, you know, a slow-footed seven-footer who hasn't shown Mm. a lot of promise? Yes, he's only 20 years old, Papa Giannis. But, I mean, you think about a player like Zach Collins. I mean, how much better has Zach Collins played than Papa Giannis in his career so far? I mean, I think orders of magnitude better is a fair way to put it. So I mean, <laughs> I'm not super convinced that this signing is gonna turn out to be anything other than like good fodder for summer league, good fodder for practices, but I'm not convinced that he's really gonna see the court and play meaningful minutes for the Blazers. Do you have a do you have a different thought on that?
0: No, I get you. It's totally possible that he's just going to be a practice body and someone that can kind of come in there and be a true seven-footer for maybe, like let's say, Nurk to work against or Dame and CG to work against on the drives. Uh, But let's compare him to Swanigan, like you mentioned just now in the discussion. Swanigan is someone we just picked up this last year, 26th pick in the draft uh, when we had those three draft picks that we kind of touched on earlier as well. Uh, He averaged 2.3 points per game, two rebounds a game uh, in about seven minutes, over 27 games. He also got some run down in the G League where it seemed like he did fairly well. But when he came back from the G League, I don't think we really saw anything more from him. And I I would almost say that when he came back after the G League, he looked worse than he had in his minutes with us beforehand. Would you agree? Yeah,
1: but I don't know if that's because his development stalled or more. He was probably out of the system, out of the loop. Remember that he did look a little bit better early in the season when he got playing time he got double digit number a uh, double digit minutes of playing time in his first 9 games and the blazers just kind of moved away from him at that point again the, the blazers have plenty of bigs but for Swanigan like you just said he was like you know a late pick in the first round so you're not looking for him to be a world beater right off the bat but he is also still quite young. He's only uh twenty-one years old, just just turned twenty-one in April. Um, here's what I like to think of Swanigan as. Uh I have in my notes here, he could be a poor man, Zach Randolph. What do you think about that comparison, yeah. Keith? So he's doesn't have a ton of athleticism, but he has long limbs, he's a smart player, he has good instincts. Uh, could he be like a worse version of a Zach Randolph? I mean, and and is there room in today's NBA for a player like that?
0: I think he totally could be. I think it's a pretty apt comparison uh, as far as how he works under the rim. He's got a lot of hustle in him as well, and he does have high IQ basketball. And me personally, that's one of my absolute favorite things to see on the court, especially from young players. The second part of that, is there a spot for that kind of player now in the NBA, I think is the more... Pertinent question because I'm not really sure what the answer is. I'm not, I, we don't see nearly as much of that anymore. Uh, like you can see it from some of the real high end players, such as, let's say, Boogie, I think is probably the closest one that I can think of with real post moves and real kind of uh, work under the basket like that. But you don't see a whole lot of it even from the, the true seven foot centers. So, I don't know if, if he can really develop that skill set maybe that would be the other side uh, this stuff goes in cycles so bringing him in young and kind of developing that talent now maybe gives us uh, a weapon to use in the future when it's kind of a gap uh, in other teams defenses
1: I do think that even with his athletic limitations it's not like he is shy to, th- to shoot three pointers I mean he didn't shoot a ton right. of three pointers this year but he definitely did in summer league he doesn't practice you know that he has that in his game so that could definitely extend his usefulness and the other thing is too like If you have a player who has really, really good hands, that's underrated. If you have like a bad pass or a pass in traffic or you're kind of you're streaking Mm. on the break or you're in the pick and roll, you get a kind of a crappy pass. Somebody who has good, like sticky hands, like that can be very useful. And I think Swanigan is one of those players. So I mean, I'm not sure. It'd be interesting to see how the Blazers use him next year, and obviously part of this is dependent on what the roster looks like, uh, whether or not there's more playing time. Like, do the Blazers re-sign Nurkic if they don't? Probably going to be more minutes for a player like Swanigan. And then one more thing, you're talking about, like, you're not. I was asking you whether there's room in today's <laughs> NBA for a player like that and for different reasons but you think about there are still players who you think might fit better in another era but would still succeed in today's NBA you think about Ed Davis Ed Davis can't shoot yeah. like Ed Davis is like a prototypical like mid 90s power forward right and yet he's extraordinarily valuable so at any rate I'm hopeful for Swanigan I'd like to see him obviously work on his body more during the summer uh, let's see what it looks like maybe during summer league I'd like to see him dominate during summer league and another player you'd like to see dominate during summer league would be yes. Jake Lehman, Jake, the snake. Uh, that's, not Jake the his snake. That's, that's not his nickname. Uh, Keith, you know, he only averaged about a point, um in, in in less than five minutes a game, he didn't average anything over um there's there's nothing else statistically that he averaged more than one of <laughs> other than points. Uh oh, what do you think about Jake Lehman? I mean, Pat Connaughton may or may not be re signed. Maybe he'll get more minutes if Pat Connaughton Pat Con- doesn't come back. But what do you think about Jake Lehman on this Blazers team? Does he have a spot here?
0: Honestly, I'd like to see so much more from Jake Lehman, and that's the real thing. Like you're saying, uh, of all the players we're talking about in this in this deep bench edition, uh, he's the one that I think has the most opportunity. He the, he has the least in front of him as far as the the we keep saying the one of the biggest gaps for the Blazers right now is that wing position. If this guy could bulk up a bit uh, and really refine his game, he's got the athleticism, he's got the length, and he's got great shooting form. He could really be someone that could be useful. But as of now, uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I guess I would say next year I want to see more of him than pat not uh, that's nothing against pat but i just think it's a positional need i would want to see more from jake and i would think that would mean blazers are maybe doing a little better or maybe that's a little far to go because maybe if we're seeing more from jake it means the blazers are doing worse and they're giving the young guys that much more run uh what do you think do you do you see a future for him in portland is he someone that do you, do you, th- you agree with me that he could fill kind of that wing vacancy He
1: definitely could. And I mean, I'm not trying to make too much out of one game, but remember, he did have that one game. (laughs) Was it a, I think it was even a preseason game or no I'm sorry I think a, it was
0: his first NBA minutes right the first time he got on the floor he just had a, like a lights out shooting night
1: that's right it was against I'm looking I'm I'm cheating I'm using basketball reference it was against Golden State the Blazers got blown out but he that's had right. 17 points went 5 of 7 from deep the thing about Jake Lehman <laughs> I mean that reminds me though like his shooting form is so so good like yeah. every time he shoots it looks like it's going in and having a replicable shot like that's important yeah. like to oh, have your sure. mechanics be all cleaned up so and he's, he's definitely athletic um, I'm with you I would like to have seen more from him this year but maybe he puts on a little bit of weight he watches a little bit of film he gets a half step faster he's you know like a just a click harder to move out of the way like I don't know like sometimes it just takes like a couple good games for your coach to have confidence in you for your teammates to get confidence in you too so yeah I think that this upcoming season much like Much like for Pat Connaughton, I think that this upcoming season for Jake Lehman is going to be probably a make or break season for his NBA career as a player. Um, Would be
0: nice to see him excel. Blazers could certainly use the help on the wing, that's for sure. How about this? Let me make a strange request of him. Uh, I think one trend that we often see from some of the uh, shy, young, uh, white dudes in the NBA, to be totally honest, cut the hair, bro. Uh, we need to get rid of that like hey, uh, that pretty boy cut excuse look. It's just me, not working. Excuse me <laughs> for someone who has very long hair. How dare you? Uh, hey, I'm not against the length. I'm just saying he's got... Remember when Myers came in with the pretty boy look and uh, Gordon Hayward had the pretty boy look? Eventually, you got to get rid of that. Don't. Gordon Hayward don't go has the- more
1: of a pretty boy look now than he, he looks like a, he looked like a no. nerd before now. Now no, he has like dude. A nice haircut.
0: What are you talking go about? Go look at the pictures of him when he was a young player, man. Oh. He looked like just straight out. Oh, dude, it was too much. No, no, uh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. Speaking let's... of those, speak, speaking of pretty boys, <laughs> let's move on. We got that one last guy from the deep bench oh, here you, to discuss. Uh, you, Another you, one did of the Blazers. That? That?
1: that sound was you getting blocked by Myers Leonard for saying <laughs>
0: that. I heard that. <laughs> oh, Myers loves me, man. Shout out, Myers. Uh, Myers Leonard is the next one up in the lineup here. Definitely the most productive of the deep bench. And you and I were arguing a little bit. Very violent argument, I think we had. Uh, some fists were thrown. <laughs> about whether Miner should be included in the deep bench here or whether he should be more of the bench bigs next week in in the segment uh, that we're doing then. I get your point about minutes per game. He didn't play much of a role this year. And yeah, we've talked, and I've had to admit on previous episodes that it's hard to really hold up as much faith that he's going to have a big role with the Blazers uh, 3.4 points per game, 2.1 rebounds per game in 7 minutes a game over only 33 games this season that's definitely a step down from even the previous years when we thought he was holding promise to improve, that's definitely not improvement uh, he did take, he, he did shoot well from deep, but he didn't shoot, I didn't. he didn't even shoot a 3 a game, right, it was less than that in the games he played so yeah uh, not quite in the regular rotation, but I don't know. Is there anything you want to add to Myers or can I ask a question to kind of like wrap up all these guys and ask you uh, opinions on it?
1: Well, let's talk about him for just a quick second. Obviously, he was okay. signed in the summer of 16 for $41 million, which is interesting because Ugh. the Blazers reportedly gave him an offer the year before of a $40 million extension. He turned it down, wanted to bet on himself. He ends up getting a $41 million contract. So good job, Myers. He earned an extra million dollars, which, I, I mean, it's nothing to sneeze at. Well,
0: um, but you know what I think this was? Just quick, quick interruption on this. I, I So he wanted more. I think maybe when Blazers offered the forty. And because of the money and the situation that was out there in contracts, I think maybe he felt like he deserved more of the skill set he had. And so when he didn't end up proving that, when he didn't end up like uh, winning on the betting on himself, the Blazers, I think it was kind of a smart psychological move maybe to sit there and say, you know what? Like thanks for thanks for putting it in, thanks for sticking out. Here's a little bit more. Not going to give you a huge bit more, which you wanted, but maybe that should have made him feel good as far as trying to continue and improve. But as we saw, it didn't work. So
1: I do I do think what happened there is that Olshay had money to spend. Um, he probably should have spent it on a flight with Envy Adventures instead of on Myers Leonard. But he had, <laughs> he had money to spend, and they kind of waited Shut it out. Up? Remember how late both Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard were signed in that summer '16 because no other teams yeah, yeah. wanted to take a stab at them. But the thing is, his production has declined since his peak in 2015 16 when he was averaging 22 minutes a game that year he was averaging eight and a half points five boards uh and he's just not gotten any better. I mean, the thing about Myers Leonard, I think we've been saying it for a long time. He needs a change of scenery. He needs a different team. Yeah. He needs to get away from this team. And whatever expectations he may have had about himself as a lottery pick. Like, And it's frustrating for him, right? Like, It's not like he wants to play poorly. It's just no. I think that for Blazers fans, I mean, Myers Leonard has been such a polarizing figure. He has all of the athletic tools you could ever ask for. He's coordinated. He can shoot. He's athletic. And yet, when he's on the court, he just just looks like a lost puppy which is a problem as an NBA player you have to be decisive so I mean for me I don't see him playing a different role moving forward I mean if anything his role might even be reduced more as Zach Collins gets more minutes as Swanigan maybe gets more minutes so I mean do you have any hope that his role with this team with this Blazers team changes or do you think that he's pretty much kind of where he's going to be
0: I'm trying to hold out hope that he can maintain a spot, man. And, but to do that, he needs to show not just improvement at this point, but drastic improvement and consistent improvement. If that happened, though, like if – if it, I think that's the funny thing. You mentioned how polarizing he is. I think even his course is very polarized here, where either he's outside on the fringes of being rotation or even like a spot minutes player, or if he can just show that bit of consistency and improvement that he's shown flashes of before, he goes from being a spot minutes player to being an absolute high-demand rotation player. I, I think it could swing so quickly and not a whole lot in between. Uh, but I want to ask you, just as, as maybe let's try to— I think this could be a good way to wrap up each of our uh, deep dives on the players here— I wanna uh find some classifications for the guys still on the on the team. So let's leave Noah Vonley out. But Papa G, Jake Lehman, Swanigan, and Myers Leonard, do you want to classify them going forward? Like let's say next year, are you expecting them to be a rotation player or a spot minutes player or just an end of the bench warmer G League player? Like where where are you putting uh Papa G? Uh
1: I don't think he's gonna play.
0: So So bench warmer.
1: Yeah i think end of bench bench cooler (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: i I think that's probably most expected i think his ceiling is probably the the spot minutes guy only in in situations as needed jake layman same question uh rotation spot minutes or or bench uh
1: i could see it again it depends on the construct of this team it and it depends on jake's development um i think that he could play a pardon me a more consistent that's the beer talking there um i think you can play a more <laughs> consistent i'm drinking a pelican brewing a, the 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 shout out. the beak breaker double ipa and ah. it wow it is unbelievable. it's a, a 9% alcohol by volume so yeah it really uh nice definitely gets me in the mood for podcasting um but yeah quick, i think jake quick shout me- out
0: quick interruption here yes. just while you're on it uh uh we were down at pelican yesterday for the hood to coast run me and my wife we got married at pelican brewing and i was having the beak mm-hmm. bender which is a similar kind of a uh different hopped one but it's tasty stuff shout out to Pelican uh we should get something from them on the pod here at some point if you guys haven't tried their beer check it out Brandon please continue where do you see Jake yeah
1: you can totally sponsor us I think that Jake <laughs> if the team construction's a little different and if Jake takes a step forward I could see Jake Layman as a rotation player playing the Pat Connaughton role um that would probably be his ceiling though I don't see him being much more than that but that's my thought
0: yeah I'm with you I think uh it's i honestly i think a good sign for him next year would be if he gets spot minutes like a little more than what he did this year i think his ceiling would probably be like you said taking the spot of con uh patty pat three ball uh so what about caleb Swanigan? uh he was g league player and kind of bench warmer not really hard to even say that he had spot minutes this year but do you think he can move up show a little more let's say get spot minutes next year or be in the rotation
1: i do i think that of all these players that caleb Swanigan has a highest highest ceiling which is so funny because he was drafted as like a low ceiling player like a high floor low ceiling player (laughs) but no i think i think Swanigan. If he could get his three-point shot consistent, if he could improve his foot speed a little bit, and by the way, for as kind of slow and awkward as he looks when he's playing, he's actually quite a bit faster and quite a bit faster laterally on defense than you might expect. I really think that Swanigan Swanigan could be a starter. I think that Swanigan could be like the fifth best player on a good team. I really do believe that. Again, he's he's smart. I think he could play that Zach Randolph role, uh, probably even be a better shooter than Zach Randolph. Randolph at his peak. So again, it, it it so much depends on what this team looks like. But I think Swanigan of all these players probably does have the most potential, at least in my
0: opinion that's interesting man yeah I, I, I could see him saying he's a starter I don't know if he's going to get there next year let's say maybe maybe if he does have the ceiling for it I, I think most likely thing for him next year is probably going to be spot minutes depending on matchup uh, but I, cause I, I don't expect the the uh, production to come on all at once but yeah I would love to see down the line if he could find a place in the right scheme in the right kind of fit and be that next generation of a Zach Randolph player that would be pretty, uh, pretty good ceiling for him okay so final one for the bench here Myers Leonard uh, bench warmer spot minutes or Player, where are you at?
1: Bench warmer. I don't see his role changing. Yeah. I think that he has shown who he is as an NBA player, really just needs to change his scenery at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, nothing more to add on that one. Okay, so, uh, so just to preview next week's edition of the Blazers players' reviews that we're going to continue, we'll be going over the bench bigs, like you mentioned earlier, Brandon. Uh, for our purposes, this means Ed Davis and Zach Collins. So stay tuned, listeners. Check that one out and on for now. Oh, you got something to add? One more quick thing, and just to say, like, as we're doing this, we're obviously going to have
1: with fewer players per episode this is the one episode where we have like you know a bunch of players to talk about they don't right. play a ton there's not as much to say as we talk about these other players we're going to have more to say we have a bigger sample size to look at um, yep. so yeah you definitely don't want to miss it it's going to be dope
0: that's all I want to say we'll be getting into we'll be getting into more uh, aspects of it too not just kind of going over production like they had on, like we were talking about this. and then we'll be talking about relevant contract situations uh, possible trade value depending on who it is but yeah stay tuned for all that as for now we're getting on to your listener questions for the week and please remember you can write the trailcasters questions at any point of the week about anything you don't need to wait till Sunday but uh, let us know what you're thinking right now write us at trailcasters on twitter or trailcasters at gmail.com question number one. Wait. How many Wait, I want, our, I want to talk about our. Want to talk about our prizes? Uh, we got. We have to let you talk too. Jeez. Yeah, oh, okay, fine. You yeah, tell the listeners. I'm <laughs> sorry,
1: but we do have prizes this week. We took a couple of weeks off, but we're happy to have three basketball cards. The winner wins all of them. Uh, you got Whoa. a you got a Bonzi Wells rookie card. You can't do any worse than that. It's a beautiful nice. Fleer Brilliance uh, kind of shiny Bonzi Wells. He's not wearing the headband you know as early as his career. The other two cards we have are from this year. You have a Damian Lillard just kind of base, you know, run of the mill Damian Lillard Panini card. But then you also have a Zach Collins rookie. It's not just a Zach, Zach Collins rookie. It's like the multicolor refractor. It's a little bit more rare than just the base so uh all these questions we always appreciate your questions as you said you can write us at any time but the winner's gonna be winning all
0: three of these cards without further ado Keith let us get started with the first question Alright first in here from Dwayne West At Dwayne Peterson he asks More likely Portland uses their draft Pick or trades it to either dump a player Or shake up the roster just want to throw in to uh, Ripsy at Ripsy 503 says Portland used the draft pick because Is too afraid to make a trade uh, and then Dwayne <laughs> responded uh, that The last year with with three picks was the Ideal time to use one of these to dump salary uh, So we can get into that but yeah what do you think uh, Do we use the draft pick this year or Dump it to, uh, for a shake up or Salary dump
1: well I, I just want to say I, I- I agree with Dwayne that if the Blazers wanted to use a pick to get rid of salary, they really should have done it last year. And I don't know if this is Olshay being overconfident about his drafting skills, maybe thinking a little too highly of Zach Collins, who, by the way, like I, I, I still think that Zach Collins is going to be a very, very good player. I can't wait for the review of him next week to talk about what I think his ceiling is, but we're going to save that for next week. Um, Obviously, Neil Olshay, we've talked about what his strengths are as a GM and it's mostly in the draft, right? So it's tough for me to think about Neil Olshe not wanting this pick this year. Um, have you, Keith, have you heard whether this particular draft, and this is actually a good question for for Mikey B, for Mike Weisenberg um, of NBA Net, who does draft stuff, but have you heard anything about this draft being particularly strong or weak kind of uh, in the middle first round? Because to be honest, I really haven't.
0: Honestly, I haven't done a lot of my off-season research for this stuff yet. I haven't really uh, checked into a lot of the draft strength. It's never been a huge uh, passion of mine looking at kind of the college ball players come in, and I usually wait for it to get to the NBA, which is why I love having uh, uh, Mikey V around for this kind of information because he really knows a lot more about it than I do. But I think my impression from uh, of the draft so far is there's some talent on the top end, and not that it drops off to nothing after that, but I don't think it's particularly deep. I don't think this is really a draft that they're looking at as being like lots of franchise changers out there. Beyond the, the lottery.
1: That's about how I think of it too. I mean, and it's true also, I'm not usually super passionate about the draft, but now that I'm co-hosting a podcast, maybe I should care a little bit more about that. <laughs> and tune into the Trailcasters for your draft coverage. Uh <laughs> thank you, Dwayne, for the question. Next question from Chris Nordby at Chris underscore Nordby. If Nurkic gets an offer for fifteen million dollars, do you match? And if so, what is
0: your cutoff? I uh, wanted to give a quick side note on here, too, before I give my answer. Uh, Chris had made a comment on Twitter saying his five-year-old son found some of his old basketball cards today in a box in their garage. Oh. He was super excited to find Blazer's pages in uh, the card collection, uh, and his collection starts today. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And then I saw that yes. you and uh, – I believe you and uh, – Chris actually ended up talking about Harold Miner and his dunking and the end being the young MJ. Well, yeah. <laughs> which is a pretty fun
1: People were calling him baby MJ and he won that dunk contest <laughs> and he looked so good and then he was not so good. Um, yeah, but what do you think? If well, Nurkic yeah. gets an offer of 15 million, are you going to match?
0: Yeah, I think 15 is about my cutoff to address the second part of the question as well. Um, we've talked about this a little before and I think we were kind of saying maybe the 12 to 13 range is the cutoff reasonably. Uh, but honestly, the more I've thought about it as, as the season ended, Nurkic is... The key to our defensive improvement, in my opinion, I think he brings so much more than what a lot of us expected on the defensive end, even if his offense hasn't been perfect and it hasn't even added quite up to what we had last year in Nurk fever, I think the the defense that he showed this year and how it helped the entire team. I, you, you can't argue with, with finishing in the top 10 defensively, man, if we can get back to our offensive production uh, in addition to that, it's that makes us a serious threat. And I don't know if we have that without him. So I would, I would uh, say yes to 15 mil. If it goes much beyond that, you really got to start looking at what else we're keeping, what else we're doing to kind of balance it out.
1: And I would say, honestly, if, if he's asking for 15 million, I mean, if another team is going to offer him that, I'd say let him find it on the open market. There's less money this year than there has been in years past. There's not really a ton of need at starting center. Um, this year in particular, so there, there's not as much demand for a player like Nurkic, and this year was his year to prove that he deserved a bunch of money, that he was worth a big contract. And what did he do? He came out and he played, you know, about as well as he
0: did near the so, end. Of, okay. Oh, go oh, go it. go ahead. No, no. Uh, okay, um, I'm just saying. uh so he played about as well as he did last year in in the 20-game sample size. He put that together over 82 games. I think he played 79 of the 82 this year, which is but also a good mark But we expected more. Oh, we hope for more because we're fans. We, we saw that mark no. fever last year, and we thought he could build on that. And look, the dude's still young. He could still build up from there. I just don't think oh, – okay, how about this? If another team offers 15, that's close enough to that 12 or 13 million cap that I wanna, that I'm comfortable with that I say yes, you agree to it. If they offered him away more than 15, then okay, yeah, you let him go do it on the free market. I just think he's got enough value that I, it would, I, I, I don't want to get rid of him quite yet.
1: Well, that actually it, it blends into the next question from Raju Woodward at R Woodward Twelve. He asks, "Should the Blazers consider letting Nurk walk if he wants too much money?" And we, you know, we are already hamstrung by so many bad contracts, is what Raju says. And to that point, and just to continue this conversation, you know. When the Blazers are thinking about how much they're willing to pay Nurkic, it's not just about his value to this current team. It's about what they're able to trade for right. if they wanted to offload that contract. That was the same logic they used when they signed Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard for $40 million. They thought, well, worst case scenario, we can get out from under these contracts if we need to. That has not been the case. Probably more so, uh, 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 more demand for Mo Harkless than for Myers Leonard. But Mo Harkless himself has been very very inconsistent and maybe not even worth that 40 million dollars at his best he certainly is but not on the whole so the Blazers have to look at this they have to be smart about it if they sign Nurkic to a little bit more than he's maybe worth they must be mindful that they need to be able to get out from under that contract if they need to because if not they are going to be in a world of hurt
0: I do want to mention one last thing about this situation with Nurkic too. In his exit interview, one thing that was kind of uh, bad news, bad foreshadowing, in my opinion, is the way he responded uh, to some of the questions about the contract. Now, let me preface this with saying part of part of it, uh, part of the situation with foreign players, is always going to be if there's any sort of language or translation barrier in their phrasing. Uh, I'm not saying he has trouble with English, but. He he basically had some phrasing that said, I do my part on the court, now my agency or my agent or representation needs to do their part off it. And he mentioned the money, and he mentioned at one point he wants to work it out and Portland, he wants to stay here, but then ended it with some comment, kind of like nonchalantly, or not, you know, as he walked away. And so... I'm not trying to read into it too much because again, when you when you cross culture lines, you don't want to read too much into body language or, or voice tone and uh and all that without knowing full context. But there is a little bit of worry, I think, of what he expects and if he still sees it as something where he should just be getting as much money as he can and not being like you mentioned, worried about the, the team situation. And Moving to, on though. Well really quick oh, go to, ahead, go ahead.
1: to be fair to him, I mean that's the right approach. Like he plays on the court. He's not going to be negotiating his contract. That's the job for somebody else. If the Blazers won't give it to him, he'll get it from somewhere else. What I will say is that maybe he could benefit from some work with clearly speaking on making sure that he.
0: No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Right. And, and I get what you're saying, man. But, but come on, like the, the stars at one point, we see it from Duncan and Dirk and some of the big names. They, they get that if you want to build a better team around you, you need to make compromises. And I, I've said this before on the show. I think Damon CJ, the Blazers could benefit so much if they would just restructure for a few million less each and you get. A lot more flexibility to the team.
1: Dirk knew. It's not going to happen, I know, but Dirk knew that he was going to get taken care of in the twilight of his career. That has proven to be true. Duncan yeah. already made a ton of money. He won championships. Nurkic, yeah. however, he's 23. He needs a big contract. Like, I don't blame him for trying to get as much money as possible. I'm just saying, like, this year is his, his year to prove that. I mean, think about this really quick. I know we've talked too much about this. We'll move on right after this. Nurkic should have been shooting more threes this year, and he did not. Yes. Even the Rip City report with Casey and Joe Freeman, they had a bet going on whether yes. Nurkic <laughs> would even attempt 53s. And when, when they did that, I'm like, oh, he's going to attempt way more than 53s. At the end of the season, going to be taking like two or three a game. <laughs> Eh, totally wrong so anyway i'm just i'm a little disappointed but not overly disappointed i guess my mood on this shifts because last time we talked about i'm like oh the talk about Nurkic being like disappointing is like overblown and now i'm here (laughs) on the other side of it next question from mitch hanniger is my dad at mitch underscore hannigan asks what do you guys think of portland potentially getting in on a major league baseball team keith what are your thoughts on baseball
0: Listen, man, I don't know if you're a baseball fan. I'm not. No. I'm, I'm not huge I'm not huge on baseball. I'm not huge on football. Uh, I, I enjoy hockey. I've gone to a few uh, fun games. I enjoy soccer. I enjoy basketball. You know what those ones have in common? All three of those sports are about the players making the decisions on the playing field, not having a general or someone else on the sidelines playing chess with all these pawns and pieces in the middle. Uh, football and baseball, it's just... It, it it's it's a slower pace of sport. It doesn't require it, in my opinion, doesn't require quite the same athleticism, either one of them, as basketball, soccer, or hockey do. And it's it's just not my priority. I I don't think Portland needs another one. If if we already have all these conversations about uh why can't Portland have a playoff or a, the All Star game up here, it's because we don't have enough hotels and all this thing. How are we gonna have room for Uh, another stadium, another, I I just, I don't think Portland needs it. I don't know if there's a huge market for it here. We've got the pickles, right? And I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> we man, we got the pickles. We're good.
1: I think the best thing about this Blazers to PDX thing is the fact that Mike Barrett is involved, yes. the longtime Blazers TV announcer. I'm trying to get him to come on the show and talk about it by the way. But um yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I sorry. I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm not a baseball fan and I played baseball. I was a pitcher. Uh yeah. you know, I it, it, it's just I mean God, I'm sorry. It's boring. It's boring, yeah. dude. They sit there. What? They're picking daisies in the outfield. Like, I mean, I just <laughs> anyway. I, I, well, that's, I just, that's that's I'm that's what I'm
0: saying. But this is why I'm saying the the pickles or or the hops or any of that. It's it's good to have those here in town because it's a sport that is nice for a sunny day and a nice day out in the park. It's not a sport on the same level as a competitive game that needs all the attention, all the money, and that's a whole other thing. Is MLB itself has lots of other issues that I'm just you know on principle and ideals are not really the direction I want to be moving. Uh, Keep it with basketball and soccer and hockey in town. Good enough as it is. Let's invest more in those guys instead of trying to bring in another act. Next question coming from Bunzy Smells at Timmy Basso. I believe this is a new questioner, so uh, shout out. Welcome to the show. What's the biggest hole we need and could fill this offseason? Like we talked about with Eric, I think, and as I've said well before the piece with Eric today, I think the biggest hole has been and will continue to be a two-way wing. Uh, we need a solid two-way wing player, whether that's a Paul George prototype or a Kawhi Leonard or someone in that mold. Maybe Jake Lehman turns into a superhero and just you know eliminates the need for you us to go there. Did you just compare Jake
1: Lehman <laughs> to Kawhi Leonard?
0: I'm just saying, position-wise, oh, like, if... I'm, I'm not gonna, saying that I'm going to I'm that not out. saying Jake Lehman is <laughs> he
1: thinks that Jake Lehman is Kawhi Leonard you heard it here I'm first. not saying Jake Lehman <laughs>
0: is anywhere near on the level of PG 13 or Kawhi but I think as far as like if he could develop into a proper NBA player that's the type of player you're looking at like a two-way wing player with length and athleticism uh, and a good shot like we talked about I what, what do you think what's the biggest hole Blazers could reasonably fill this offseason
1: well when the Blazers got swept there's now a huge hole where my soul used to be and that could definitely <laughs> be filled I'm with you. It's the same. It's the same as everything you just said. It's uh, you know the prototypical three and D wing, but there's a reason why that is the position of need in the modern NBA. There's right. a reason why, right? Yeah. There's a reason why. Teams will change their entire schemes to stop a player like a Kevin Durant, like a LeBron James. There's a reason why Toronto did this introspective soul-searching and asked players to take on new roles, and, like, change their schemes and, like, change the way. And it didn't make any difference anyway because LeBron is LeBron. But, like, there's a reason why that's <laughs> in demand in the NBA. It's just the way the game's going. And, yes, that is what the Blazers desperately need. It's what they needed in the summer of 2016 and didn't get and they still need it now whether that's internal development or something else i don't know you know if mo harkless you know eats a mario mushroom and you know becomes like (laughs) a a big version mo harkless all the time that would be amazing but yeah that's i'm i'm basically gonna agree with you on that
0: and that's probably more likely than Jake Lehman it would be. Moe Harkless really stepping it up and Chief continuing to develop the way he has. Next question coming from The Natural at A Foster 13 What do you think the reaction in Portland would be if Stotts was fired and they ended up hiring Becky Hammond instead? Wow. How about that one? <laughs>
1: uh, that would be incredible. Uh, I So here's the thing. I don't think Stotts should be fired. That's the problem with me is that you're never going to get me to answer this question as clean as I could because I just absolutely do not think Stotts should be fired. Um, In my view, if the Blazers were to move on from Stotts, the number one choice would have been Fizdale. Well, he's taken up by New York. The number two choice uh, would be Mike Budenholzer who is still available. Um, so hey, here's the yeah. thing. If, if the Blazers want to move on from Stots, they better do it right quick because Eric said it on the show. There aren't a ton of candidates that are better than Stots, And in my view, none of them are, but if there are any that remain, it would probably be Budenholzer. And beyond that, I'm not sure. So Becky Hammond is incredible. Obviously um, has been an assistant with the Spurs for a number of years, knows what she's doing I think she will make a great head coach but in my view if you're not like much 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 better than Stotts then why move on from him
0: yeah I'm with you on that I I respect Becky Hammond I am, am so excited for her to get a uh, a chance at coaching I think it's a very historic milestone that we can all be happy about uh coming to the NBA but the idea of moving away from Stotts the last thing I want to do is move to someone who is Inexperienced and untested. Uh, I I would want the best coach you could possibly get. And like you said, I don't think there's anyone out there better than Stotts.
1: And speaking of changes, Monty at HS underscore 12773 asks, if the Blazers stand pat this summer, that means no front office changes, no major player changes. What will your honest reaction be as a fan? And what do you think the real chances are that anything actually does change? So, two part question one If nothing happens, what are your thoughts? And two, what are the chances of a major change in this Blazers franchise?
0: Okay, so I don't think uh, I don't think it's. I'm going to take this in reverse order. I don't think it's likely that nothing changes, no matter what. Shea tried to sell us at the exit interviews. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily going to make a big move, but I think it's definitely going somewhere. I think something has to change. I I, I think it'd be crazy if we came into next season with absolutely nothing major being done. Uh, that being said, if they do stand pat this summer. I mean, I'm going to be sitting all season on my hands. I'm going to be sitting all season waiting for a move to be made. I just don't know if you get it through a whole other year without having made some sort of adjustment here. Uh, big or small, front office or on the court or I, or coaching staff or I, I don't really know which way it goes, but I'd, I'd be shocked, I guess. Less about starting the season with the same, but if we got all the way through the year without major changes, this seems crazy.
1: I'm with you. I want to see some changes. I'd prefer it to be Olshay. Not sure if that's going to happen, but you can't just run this thing back and expect to get a different result. You just can't. The Blazers right. got lucky with injuries with other teams in the Western Conference getting injured I mean Eric said it the Blazers were the healthiest team in the league basically last year so yeah I would be pretty disappointed Uh, next question here from Ralph in Gresham at R Howell 1980 if Paul Allen sold the Trail Blazers who would buy it uh, I'm not sure we have a rich enough Oregonian. It would have to come from someone else in the country. My gut tells me that Paul Allen is checked out and waiting for oh Seattle to get its team back. I have some thoughts on this, Keith. What are yours?
0: Uh, okay, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you finish, Brandon, But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I gotta say first, I do love that. Uh, Ralph here, he tagged in his message to us. He tagged Paul Allen. Oh, and the Blazers, yeah, he so did. He's not afraid. <laughs> he's not afraid of all of his, uh, his Paul poems. Allen's gonna, but, uh, invite him to a <laughs> boxing match
1: of his own. Maybe it's similar <laughs> with Evan Turner and the other dude. <laughs> uh,
0: but I, I don't know if I want to go as hard on Paul as what he's talking about here. I don't know if he's fully checked out. I think this season might, he might not be quite as happy as he was last year, but the end of last year, man, didn't he make some nice speeches in the locker room to the players or was it even the season before that? I think when we still had Allen Crabb here as well. He's, he's showed some renewed passion about the team. I don't. I don't think we I don't think it's entirely fair to say that he's checked out on it. Uh, And I don't think I don't think he's going to sell it if he did. And someone else was going to buy it. And it wasn't an Oregonian. Isn't there some sort of clause in there as far as keeping the team in Portland? I thought there was something that still had years left on it. At least 2020. Is that not right? I honestly don't know. Um, but that might be crazy. What?
1: What? I, well, you are that, but not because of this. But my thought is that there's <laughs> nothing to suggest that Paul Allen has checked out. Yes, you had that article from Canzano that said, oh, it's bad news that Paul Allen isn't involved. Look, John Canzano, it's funny that I used to look up to this dude as a writer. I think he's dude, a total, <laughs> a complete hack. He has like two sources. He makes bombastic statements, tries to get a reaction from people. It's so 1995 sports journalism. That's me shitting on John Canzano. Now I'm done, Uh, John. I know you watch the show. Obviously, love you. Um, No, but like, there's nothing to suggest that Paul Allen's checked out. Um, he's been a great owner. Um, I mean, there's nothing... The, the, what has he done besides want to... He's he's paid money when the team has been good. He's paid money for players. He's paid money for front office. The Blazers have gotten close. For a small market team, I'm not sure what else you really want from Paul Allen as an owner. I do think that his trust of Olshay it's it's run pretty thin for me like that would be the one thing at least in like modern Blazers history I would be a little concerned about sure. how connected he is with Olshay but other than that I don't see anything to suggest that Paul Allen's checked out necessarily
0: let me tie this into the next question to dbird at bird underscore duck asked does Paul Allen really have the hardened rip city or is that what you already did you quote that one from him already? no I didn't just, but
1: yeah he does he totally does yeah I mean, just, there's just yeah there's nothing to suggest that he doesn't like again like it, it there are bad owners in the nba right. we know what they look like we know what james dolan in new york looks like we know that he's a bad owner because when david james Fisdale, dolan in the straight shots god him and his stupid little <laughs> band stupid millionaire baby but like we know that he's a bad owner for a lot of reasons and one of them is because when david Fizdale took the job in new york people were on twitter going no david fizzdale no, what are you doing new do york it. is the biggest market in the nba you'd think that people would be clamoring over themselves to go there they have Kristaps Porzingis he's a future superstar in the making people don't want to go there because the James Dolan is a terrible owner so look Paul Allen is a good owner he has his heart here I'm getting all upset, hot and bothered. Keith, why don't you take this away from me <laughs> well, before look, I blow up the computer?
0: <laughs> even beyond even beyond the Knicks and James Dolan, I think you could look at a lot of franchises that, beyond uh, just their owner being a crackpot or not, like out in New York, uh, I think there's a lot of teams that just don't stay as updated. The Blazers are constantly on the edge of technology. They've got a lot of good uh, fan interaction, a lot of good treatment in the building, in the Rose Garden itself. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not at all sold on the idea that uh, clown Zano out there is trying to tell people that Paul Allen doesn't have his heart in Rip City, and I hope. Hope you listeners as well will move on from that one. But Rip City at Rip City 503 has our next question. What was your favorite takeaway from the season? I think mine is Zach Collins and the potential he has. What do you say, Brennan?
1: Toot, toot, it's the conductor of the Zach Collins train. I approve of this message. I'd say it's the defense. The Blazers and Terry Stotts should get a lot of credit for this. They drug this band of marauders to a top 10 defense. Who would have thought that would be possible before the season started? Not me. So, yeah, I'd say Zach Collins is a great thing to look forward to. The defense is a great thing to look at and say that's a very big
0: positive thing. Keith, do you have anything else that you're looking at the season and going, yeah, that really worked well? I like both of those highlights. Obviously, you got to enjoy the 13-game win streak that we had. I, I think also a point that I'm going to look back on in future seasons and kind of smile about is Dame and CJ each having those 50-point games in under 30 minutes apiece. Uh, just really kind of cementing how much power our backcourt packs. If you could just get it to click together, that would really be the key to it. Uh, Speaking we'll take the next of question packs. On here.
1: Speaking yeah. of packs, our ne- there you go. <laughs> <Our> <laughs> nice next question segue. From the- yeah, I know. Seriously, Matthew at Reverend Romulus asks, "What is the favorite card you've pulled out of a pack, and what is your favorite brand look like?" <laughs> I'm assuming this question's more directed toward me because I'm not sure. I mean, Keith, did you ever collect cards when you were a kid or as an adult or anything like that?
0: Uh, I mean, I had Magic the Gathering cards all over the place for a long while when Ooh. I was a kid. <laughs> what was that? What but was that's the- not what-,
1: what was that super rare one. There were like a couple. Was it like the Nightshade? Like back
0: in like oh the- man. I have no idea. There's there's so many different generations of Magic cards. I I still got some buddies that go and compete on uh, circuits playing that game. So it's 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 nuts. But that is certainly a different element. I think from what he's talking about. Uh, Let me just chime in here, and I'll get back to you. I think the favorite card that I've got, at least right now, a Rashid Wallace card that I got from you, sir, at our uh, live Rip Twitty (laughs) watch party, game four. Uh, That was a a definitely a highlight of that day for me with uh, how that game went. But that sheet is as the pride of my collection. That's awesome. Uh, But you, what's what's your favorite kind of collect?
1: I've got a couple of answers for this. So probably the favorite card I ever pulled was a Shaquille O'Neal rookie card, top stadium club. I was a little kid. I was with my dad in the car and we had pulled over to open this pack and we would go to the card store in Corvallis and we'd get a pack or two every now and again. Like I was never one of those kids that got like boxes or anything like that. And we pulled that shack and we were like screaming and like the car was shaking, and, like Shaquille O'Neal. Like it was you the got a cool shack? Oh yeah, dude, it was nice. the coolest thing ever and like I I still have that card. It is very much protected in its hardcover. And even since then, like I've gotten like packs of top stadium clubs. I've gotten other Shaquille O'Ne- Shaquille O'Neal rookie cards, but nothing will beat that moment. That was totally incredible. More recently, I was actually at a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, with my family and there was a friend of Corinne's uh, whose name is also Brandon so shout out to Brandon and I brought a couple packs of cards because I knew he was a Blazers fan and I was telling him before seriously before I opened this pack dude I was telling him how Brian Grant is my favorite Blazer ever and what do I know this was a this is like a modern uh, pack of cards I pulled a Brian Grant autograph from that pack nice. I went nuts it was unbelievable I'm actually looking at it now it's like out prominently displayed uh with kind of some That's of our awesome. like mementos and photos. So man, I mean basketball cards are cool and the whole thing is like I mean I hate to I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but like that feeling of like opening a pack and like not knowing what's in it and kind of going through slowly like looking at the cards like that's the thing like that's the thing about card collecting it's so cool at least for me like it's never been about buying boxes and boxes like wanting to get the most expensive one like a lot of people approach it that way no man it's like it's about that experience and it's just a lot of fun um as for my favorite brand to collect i'm gonna go old school here uh when skybox came out in the early 90s Like you remember those Skybox cards and how yeah, they looked?
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember Skybox. Yeah,
1: dude. Like you remember how it had like the computer graphics behind it, like crazy things, like Photoshop when Photoshop was the other cutting thing. edge. It was yeah, super totally. cutting edge. Like <laughs> anyway, so that's I mean I have to go for Skybox for that, but yeah. Man, I'm all of this nostalgia trip on this basketball cards. You need to get us to our next question.
0: Gonna... <laughs> all right, yeah. next question coming from Daniel Joseph Graves at In Kelso. Uh, so, who's gone next year? Lillard or McCollum? Ooh. My guess, he says, neither. Sorry, just don't think Olshay has the balls, or does Paul <laughs> Allen? Uh, it's been four years. <laughs> it's been four years since Dame Lillard hit the shot, and nothing has changed. Paul Allen seems content. Okay, hold on. I just wanted to say a few more things here, and I'll pass this back. Dan to you. is not again, pulling
1: punches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> again, with this uh, this talk though about Paul Allen being down on the blazers has something happened like if, if listeners if you guys uh know of some headline that i missed on this if paul allen has said something or if there's been some sort of a context for this let me know but it seems like there's been a lot of a doubt in paul allen's faith but i do love so the other uh questioner tagged uh who was it tagged uh paul allen and the blazers this guy daniel joseph graves tags lillard in his comments so <laughs> saying it's been four years since at dame lillard hit the shot nothing has changed man our fans bringing the fire i love it <laughs> to be fair uh, a lot has changed since
1: then, right? I mean, we had a team, again, that they thought could compete for a championship. I thought was a Western Conference championship team. Yeah. And then Wes Matthews got hurt. And look, you could criticize the fact that they didn't bring anybody back um, and that LaMarcus Aldridge wanted to leave. But, you know, that is what it is. I, I think quite a bit has changed. I do think the Blazers are in a tough spot right now. So um, as far as who's gone next year, I agree with Dan. Uh, I don't think either of them are leaving. It was fun to talk with Eric about what would it look like if Damian Lillard left. I mean, if you listen to Trailcasters, you know that I've been advocating that Blazers should entertain trades for CJ McCollum. But frankly, I'm not sure if it's going to change. It's just it's very very difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't I don't I don't think it has anything to do with Paul Allen being content. I'm with you on that. I don't think it has anything to do with that.
0: I, I think uh, the best strategy would be if the if Olshay makes a con- you know, at least you know, like kind of gives the context that no one is untouchable. Let's hear what teams would think about Dame or CJ. But yeah, I agree. I don't think it's likely. I think it's more likely that both Dame and CJ are still Blazers uh, next season. That does kind of open up the possibility, though. If, like we're saying earlier, that we need some sort of change one way or another, who else is out there? We talked about Zach Collins a little as, as maybe someone else who would have trade value. Other than that, you start getting kind of thin as far as the Blazers roster between Aminu or Harkless or or other pieces after that that really aren't even worth going into now. But we will get into all of that more on future episodes. Next question coming in from here. Uh, Alex Morales at Itty Bitty Zero Zero need that Bonzi Wells card. Uh, and then you mentioned better ask a question then. That is a good point. You do have to get the questions in here and please follow us and send out the RTs. But Alex Morales then came back with going 29 and 12 from January to March. What went so wrong in that series against the Pelicans? Bad matchups.
1: I mean, that's it, right? I mean, you saw the Pelicans against the Warriors in game three. They had that perimeter defense and they beat the Warriors by like 20 points. That's how they looked in all four games against the Blazers. I'm not sure what else there is to say about it. I mean, Evan Turner during his exit interviews. We talked about this last week, but Evan Turner's like, oh, there should be another option between Damon and CJ. Hey, Evan, dude, get a mirror and look at it. That was That's supposed you, to bro. be you. Seriously. <laughs> so I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, it, it, Was there anything about that Pelican series besides it just being a bad matchup? I mean, what else do you take away from that? I mean, they had
0: success in regular season, but... I think the biggest thing is, like we've said before, this is going to be kind of redundant, but uh, it took away our biggest defensive anchor in Nurkic. Anthony Davis has all the has the talent needed to get by uh, get by him. And then it stifled our biggest offensive contributors in Damon CJ by, like Eric mentioned today, basically playing a uh, doubling one of them and having having the other basically hugged and covered close the whole way, forcing us to play three on two. And our roster gets thin after that. Uh uh, so yeah I think it's I think a lot of that was bad matchup I think we'd faced OKC or San Antonio or even Utah we might have looked a lot better in that first round uh, you could have again gone with other factors of like if we had Vonleh, if we had slightly different rotation if we had a little more creativity or flexibility but also again as we pointed out earlier with Eric or as he pointed out there's not a whole lot else that stats could have done creative creativity wise with this roster so I don't know I, I think honestly that this has got to just be the simple answer of matchup
1: I want to go with the hot take if the Blazers had played the Rockets in the first round they would not have gotten swept and it is for what you just said whoa no seriously yeah, said, I, I get you yeah yeah. who's gonna pull Nurkic out of the paint on that rocket team Clint Capella I don't think so like so uh, yeah it was just it was a terrible matchup I will admit this though and I'll, I'll say it several times during the summer I did not see that coming I did not see the trouble that the Blazers would have with the Pelicans perimeter defenders. I didn't see that coming straight up. And a lot of people didn't either. Some people did and they talked about it, but I was not one of those people.
0: Um, I think, I think it is going to be interesting. Uh, Nurkic, like you mentioned, uh, what he could have done with the Rockets. Nurkic is a top tier rim defender. And again, we'll get into this on future episodes, talk about some of the stats that really back it up, but he is a top end rim defender. So to think of him against any other player than a top end offensive center, like Anthony Davis, we probably do look a lot better. Yeah. Uh, So go, go ahead. Next question. Yeah, no
1: Next and last question from michael bins at almsville Brazer almsville blazer rather not almsville baser i don't know what that would be the beer <laughs> prices have raised nearly two dollars since the rose garden yeah. changed the name to the motor center plus the addition of metal detectors i can no longer sleek in sneak in my aluminum cans via my wife's purse wtf keith <laughs> as a season ticket holder how outraged are you by these developments
0: I completely agree with Michael about this. It is absolutely absurd. We've talked about the uh, Trailcasters. Uh, the 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 price is going up is insane. It is way too expensive. If, if when you're buying even 300 level seats up there, and if you get two rounds, or let's say like a round and food for you and so and your wife or whoever else you're with, you're already doubling the price over all the evening. It's it's too much, man. Uh, and we also included, I think it was Atlanta. Uh, they cut their prices in half, and over a full year, they actually made sixteen or seventeen percent more money. Paul Allen, Blazers. Let's t- listeners tag these guys for this conversation. Uh, get them in here about. It would really help to lower the prices. The fans would be happier. Your business would be happier making more money. It's just getting too much. But, Michael, if I may suggest here, uh, aluminum cans in the wife's purse, I, I, I see where you're going with that. But that <laughs> even before the metal detectors, that seems like kind of a risky way to go. What you can do, however, uh, if you have ever been into, I think many of the liquor stores around the local areas have uh, small little plastic uh, uh, pouches <laughs> that are that far easier to, to get in there. And you don't have to take a whole lot of uh, room or space. they they sneak in just about anywhere that's all i'm gonna say about that brandon what do you think only the best (laughs) advice on the Trailcasters
1: how to sneak in alcohol at your sporting events yeah i mean the modus center has a lot going for it right i mean it has local food options now which is great and it has also local beer and wine options which is also great i agree with you the prices are too high um if it were me i agree that i would lower the prices for a fan like myself I'm not rolling in dough. Like, what did I get for the playoffs? I got standing room tickets because that's what I could afford. Uh, I limited how much I ate and drank because the prices were limiting. If the prices were lower, maybe I would have eaten and drank more. And maybe if I'm drinking more, it'd make me drink even more. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. They don't. Uh, we are not advocating for people to overconsume alcohol on this podcast. Well, but all this is to say that you're right. There's a balance, right, in that market force between how high the price is, how much people are willing to spend. I agree with you. The balance is not struck properly right now.
0: And, and let's say this, too. It's not. I'm not trying to say that if you're drinking more uh, at the event that you need to be unsafe or irresponsible about any of it. There are lots of options about Lyft, Uber, yeah. uh, still taxi companies, still public transit. There are lots of ways to get around, even just carpooling with friends. Uh, you, you, can, you can have fun with this, and I think we could all have more fun with lower prices.
1: I agree. And you could also have fun when you win on the Trailcasters when you ask questions. You're yes. going to go to random.org, a random number generator. We are going to put in a minimum of one, maximum of $14. Because we had 14 questions, gonna hit that generate button and the result is seven
0: thank you all for writing in it was great to get that many questions this week number seven is monty at hs12773 congratulations you are the winner for this week getting all three of those basketball cards and of course a blazer or a Trailcasters postcard included with it uh thank you for writing in guys and remember you can write us at any time you like but for now i think i'm getting some beautiful tunes in my ears brandon can you tell me what that's about oh
1: that is all about odar you can check out his work at soundcloud.com slash odar beats as always bring in the intro, interlude, and outro beats. If you want to contact us, you can do that at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Emails work too, Trailcasters at gmail.com or just trailcasters.com. But again, the most important thing are the five-star reviews, whether they're on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. I do not care, but I do care about your five-star reviews because more reviews mean more people, more people means more frontiers. stars. I'm talking way <laughs> too fast for my own good. <laughs> Keith, it's been a great classic episode. Why don't you get us all, 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 all. Oh damn! Here. I know that was, that was way, way too much. But why do you get out here? <laughs> uh,
0: no, that was great. It was funny because the uh, my audio kind of died out in the middle of it, so I was getting like a the digital remix on your whole voice there. Uh, so, oh my in God. closing, your honorable <laughs> listeners, that's it. That's our show. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, thank you, Brandon, as always. Thank you, Odor, for the fat beats. Thank you to Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. Thank you, Eric Griffith, Griffith, for joining us. And most of all, thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball. And our latest episode Thank you again And please be sure To come back next week For the next edition Of the Trailcasters
1: Oh yeah <laughs>
0: That was awesome uh, Oh yeah You come in here brother
1: You think we're gonna Have a podcast But you don't know The energy <laughs> And the realness
0: That we're gonna bring With the Trailcasters <laughs> Oh man I was almost thinking You are going for like A clog And that in there too Dude, oh, that'd I be a great that. mashup <laughs> actually Get some good like old uh, WWF With like the claw Like a kawaii in there And like a leotard Oh yeah Totally get a mashup that one
1: Yeah, I should We should live stream <laughs> Okay Alright yeah. man You don't know the energy and the realness that we're going to bring with the house